0: Oh! Whoa, whoa, it's episode uh, 18 of the Gaming Memories Podcast, which means we are legally of age now, so if you've been having some uh, promiscuous fantasies about yours truly, you don't have to feel like a pedophile anymore, because we are officially 18, and by we, I be me, aka Kate, call your host, aka Roboclip, the blessed beatmaker, the man petitioned by the Holy Gaming Triforce Trilogy, Trifecta, whatever you want to use, of Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost, appeared to me in prophetic holy vision commanding me to create the one true gaming, the greatest gaming podcast on all of the earth and really basically in all of the universe because as far as we can tell, we're alone out here, bitches. No, we're not. Aliens are real. Google it. Look into it. Anyway, they said create the one true gaming podcast simply by interviewing creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Aaron Simmons or Aaron Spaziano, a.k.a. Gazia, who is one half of the uh dynamite, super successful music producer duo XNG, which consists of Xion and uh, or S- Xion. I- He's going to get so mad at me. I, always, I call it Action, I think I've been pronouncing it wrong. He's going to listen to this and be like, you stupid dumbass. You've been friends with me for how long? Can't say my damn artist name right. Anyway, and the other person is Gazia Aaron, who's on the podcast today. Their producer duo is called X and G, short for Action and Gazia. They have been homies for a long time. They were part of the original Damn Sun crew way back in the day before they linked up and became a super successful music production duo. They have uh, songs with Skrillex, songs on Alza, songs with Dogblood. They have songs with millions and millions and millions of views all over the internet. They've been playing giant shows like EDC in Orlando and all around are super, super badasses. And I'm very grateful that Gazia, 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 Gazia. Man, you know what? Should I cut this out? Should I cut it? I don't know. I had a little bit to drink, guys. And I made this, this, uh, what you call it, goal, New Year's goal. I'm going to edit this shit. I'm going to be real. So we're going to leave it as is. But Aaron was so gracious to uh, grace my studio with his presence and talk to me about some video games, about production, about music, about being an all-around creative maestro, genius, Beethoven, uh, what the f- is his name, uh, Takata in D minor. It's like my favorite classical song. Bach! He's like a modern-day motherf***ing Bach. Aaron Spaziano, X and G, check him out. I'll put links to all their music and badass music videos in the description. Highly recommend them. They are experimental, bass, eclectic. Actually, that's some of the stuff Recently in their past they were more chill Now they're doing more house shit They make everything, they do music for Video games, they do music for Movies, big shows Clubs, whatever you name it, they can make it Aaron is a bonafide badass And therefore you should give A shit about his opinion When it comes to video games because He's a creative genius Anyway we had a great time talking Uh, Other than that, uh, it was a pretty good episode Had to edit a couple things out Because he uh, said some super secret shit about the super secret internal workings of the super secret industry. And uh, I had to edit some of that out. It'll be obvious during those sections that I had to edit it out. Uh, Just ride with us. Audio quality was good all around. And I'm just rambling at this point, motherfuckers. Remember! Remember, remember, remember the 5th of November. That is a good movie, by the way. And also remember to spread the good news of the Gaming Memories gospel. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your pets, tell your cousins, tell your co-workers that you secretly hate, but you have to be nice to, because you work in the same office together, and you don't want your life to be miserable hell, so you're nice to them anyway. Tell them to. Tell everybody about the Gaming Remories podcast, and you will be blessed with, I don't know, the gods... I don't know. I don't, they haven't they haven't talked to me for a couple days. I've probably been drinking and masturbating too much, so I haven't had any revelation. But they'll talk to me soon enough, but I can tell you this. They are going to come back and bless you like Conor McGregor coming back and knocking the shit out of Cowboy's Throne. How was that, mother... Fight! It was amazing. It was only forty seconds, though. Kind of like my sex—little a little short, amazing, but uh leaving the crowd wanting for more. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the show and say these things. And then he would be a mother father, cojoining the son, and come back to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh shit Aaron the infamous gazia from What's xng up? in the gaming memories I, I don't know i don't know what to call this room i've been i've been thinking of calling it the brew lab but i don't really like that but i can't think the of brew any ideas the cuz you brew stuff in here creative shit right. gets brewed in here
1: but also this is like a gaming podcast it's this is like there's like a gaming room over there so maybe like something gaming related like console or cartridge but that might be cheesy though yeah i don't know I've, I've, but brew lab is kind of chill like i just imagine like the little uh what is it like, like like the beaker yeah and then like you like put that like on the front door or something like that yeah it says, beaker. Like, the brew lab. that's the way to
0: put it because i imagine like there's this mad scientist in here trying to create some sort of magnum opus some creative which i don't do but that's what i like to pretend like i do in here for those i'll do like a little uh intro About who you are and why people should care about what you have to say. Basically, you're a musical (laughs) genius. That's what I'll say. This is... uh, What's what's your last name? Spaziano, right? Spaziano, Didn't you have a
1: different double last name for a while? I mean, I still do. So, yeah. I'm legally Simmons. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And so, I go by Spaziano on Facebook and all that stuff. Like, that's what I like to go by. Because that's my dad's name. Um, But... I need to legally change it, hmm. so that's the confusion.
0: Aaron Spaziano, aka Gazia, who is his what's his artist name, and that is half of X and G, which is a producer. I know, I know, you get this all the time, but
1: Aaron, how do you classify your <laughs> own music? As in the genre and the style. Yeah, genre. I mean, it's all over the place. Like for a while, we were doing what people called like experimental bass and all that stuff and now we're kind of doing more like house stuff and so i guess we're kind of just like eclectic style like eclectic. we're like whatever we're feeling at the time like we made a timbaland type of beat and like we've done hip-hop beats and like chill stuff or pop stuff like whatever you want to whatever like you're feeling or like whatever we're feeling like we'll do it doesn't really matter so
0: that's true you guys have been all over the The year uh, 4AM, is that your first EP?
1: Yeah, that was the first EP. That's the first thing I remember you released, yeah. Yeah, so... And that's chill. Exactly. Like, down-tempo, yeah. Yeah, like, super mellow, like, that's, like, what we came from, because we were both really into, like, really chill artists, like, uh, for example, like, Synchro, or Submerse or, like, there's this guy, Castle, and, like, they're all doing, like, really chill type of stuff, and, um... Not really like, like like a build and a drop and all that stuff, but it's just like like people call it like headphone music. And so doing that for a while and then kind of like transitioning from that over to like the four a.m. stuff and like our first couple of remixes for uh, East Ghost and our buddy Hari Kiri. And so those were like more. Uh, I remember the Hari yeah. Kiri
0: beat. Yeah. I just drummed to that. That's a good beat. Yeah, I need to revisit it.
1: Yeah, I was listening to it like uh, a couple weeks ago and i was like dang like this is pretty cool still and i wish i had the project because i want to kind of beef it up more to play it out uh, but i think the I, vip release yeah exactly like kind of like beef it up and be like yeah like let's play this out but and I, I either the project is missing or some of the stuff is missing but either way i need to find that because i mm-hmm. would love to play it out again it's super sick
0: so you yeah you um <laughs> You make beats X and G. If you haven't heard of them, they're legit. I would, I like the term eclectic, but I would say there is a uh, like a common thread that runs through all of your stuff, including the minimal to the heavy bass stuff, and maybe that would be. I'm trying to put my finger on it. All your music is, yeah, it's eclectic, but also uh, tight. Tight in what way? Yeah, it's not. It's not like eclectic, like a crazy sloppy madman. That's like done too much acid he's running around talking to god and aliens like some ec- eclectic person you're like a, you're like elon musk so everything is Dude's like really crazy clean. but his shit's also together right right yeah okay. that's how i feel because you you guys get really wacky and experimental but it's also never overdone and it's always like tight and clean and punchy and almost minimal like the stuff what's the album that had damn on it uh, Persona. Persona. I think that's my favorite record of you guys so far, and lots, I would listen to it sometimes and think like, "There's literally no notes in this song. There's like <laughs> yeah. a bass, right? There's like a low end sub, kind of some bass hits, and then it's just sounds. Yeah. But it all and which sounds like it would be chaos, like a crazy guy on acid, like you can't make any sense of it. But it everything feels like it has parts. In sections, and it makes sense, even though it's just random sounds put together. But it makes sense, even though there's no there's no chords, there's no melody, there's no. But it doesn't sound like uh, confusing. That's what I mean, like a crazy, eclectic, but still like the shit's still together.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you say that because, like, I remember with our first album, Anomalies, everyone was like, "I don't understand this." Like, there wasn't like as much form; it was much more. I like sloppy or or messy whatever you want to call it in terms of like the arrangement. The arrangement. And yeah. And then like with Persona like everything was much more tighter yes. and it was just like 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 you could follow the song and so it was yes, just Yes, that's like, what
0: I mean. It's it's yeah. all of it's crazy but you can follow it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so like it was just like taking that same sound palette that we used from like the Anomalies EP and making it in a much more formulaic way because especially like I remember like uh someone saying like oh your songs like aren't DJable. like you got like i can't play them out and like we wanted them to be played out because mm-hmm. that's the whole purpose of making music like that so we were just like all right let's make everything tighter and so we just like practiced like arrangement and just like seeing like how uh, like dance music was made and kind of like, mimicking it and, and then, understanding
0: like, that why that arrangement is set a certain ways so, yeah. so they can be played out by different people. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. And then just like... I mean, like I said, like taking that sound palette and implementing it in that structure. And so I I think that that's like one of my favorite rela- releases too. Like from that album, I think we play the most tracks from it just because they are playable. They play out well. Yeah. yeah. I also loved
0: how dry the album is, just in general. I'm thinking <laughs> of dam- dry as like... Everything's tight. Like it's not... It's very common to get carried away with reverb. It's so easy, and it yeah. sounds awesome. And we're like, our ears are tuned. Like reverb just sounds beautiful to everybody. It's my
1: favorite plugin. It's ever. the everything. Reverb is yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah, I love
0: reverb. Reverb and delay. It's my favorite thing to play with. But I'm thinking about. I think it's damn, but the, it has that like screeching sound when the drop hits. Yeah, the da 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 da. Yeah. And I remember the Omar showed it to me in his old Forester, and I remember just thinking like, it's so dry and tight like there's no reverb but i don't care i like huh. the sound it's almost that was refreshing to me it's just so dry and tight and punchy and you could follow it but it was just sounds yeah and it was it, like that's what i say you guys lean more towards in my opinion you're more on the tom york end of the artist spectrum versus the taylor swift end of the artist spectrum because it's so yeah it's eclectic like you're not going to hear that sound anywhere, anywhere else. At least I've never been exposed to that. And I know, like, think uh, Waxhole. He, he'll be on the podcast. Shout out to him. A lot of people that will show me tracks. I don't dig that much for music. But I have a lot of friends that will shoot me stuff that they find. It's yeah. dope. And I'm always getting new tracks that way. And all of them know who you guys are. And I, like, I'll like, i say, like, can you find me more X and G sounding stuff? Do you, ha- do you know anything? And they're like, ah, I don't really know anything. Or oh, the same thing happens with Lauren. Lauren's another one of my favorite producers, and I'm always asking them, like, if you guys find anything that reminds you of Lauren or close, send it to me because it's really hard to find that sound. Which is so cool. Like, Which is why I love him. Why yeah, you guys, yeah, exactly.
1: Because like he just stands out. Like he's his own thing. And yeah. like, That's why you go to that artist. Whereas yep. like in other genres, it's just like there's so many artists that like mimic the same style, and it's just like. Okay, and like, you can't tell them apart, yeah, exactly, yeah, I
0: think I think most people, if they're familiar with x and G, I mean, I know you guys change genres a lot, but especially persona and what what was the one before persona?
1: Uh, it was called anomalies anomalies that's, yeah. that
0: one had the symbols, right yeah the, all, yeah, like the nine symbols yeah those yeah. two albums to me, that's when I like I feel like you guys broke out and really started like, oh, nobody sounds like this,
1: yeah. i remember so many people being like i've never heard anything like this before and i was like is that good is that bad
0: how did you uh what led how did you come up with that because those two albums sound fairly similar and then you guys have a lot of those elements like the organic progressive elements and the marching band stuff i still hear in your newer tracks but leading up to those two albums anomalies and persona how did how did you come up with a brand
1: new sound I mean, for that, it was just like, okay, we've been doing the more experimental bass stuff. And while I love it and I love the sound, like, it just doesn't pick up as well. I mean, now it's starting – it is starting to. Like, Space Jesus is blowing up and, like, Saruta and, um, like, all this, like, new wave of, like, this new weird experimental – they call it, like, freeform bass now Mm -hmm. where it's just, like – like, all of that's, like, blowing up now. But at the time, we were just like, hey, like, this isn't... This isn't working. This isn't working out. And, like, yeah. even for us, we're kind of just getting tired of, like, the scene. And, and the clubs we were playing, it was always just, like, very disorganized. And so we're like, hey, like, we we want to go and make something to where we're playing more organized things. Like, like there is order. There was just so much chaos. And, like, while I love chaos sometimes, I didn't want it to, like... <laughs> Um, control my life Yeah. so like just I, I will always love the more underground weird music but there's just seems to be like something about it like there's just like this like chaos behind it that's like kind of like hard to explain but um and and so now like being on the other side and like playing these more like professional events there's still some chaos but it is much more controlled like yeah. i know where i'm going i know who i need to talk to i know like all those things like where to play stuff like that and so <laughs> with that it's i
0: could see you showing up to some like crazy wook underground music festival in the middle of nowhere no one knows who the coordinator is no one knows where your tent is yeah. no one knows what time you're playing yeah exactly and, and like it's like you just traveled up- and you're tired and
1: yeah, and like yeah. we've shown up to like an, an event like that, and they're like, "Uh, you might have a tent, and we didn't come prepared for a tent." This was like one of like the first festivals we ever played, and we were just like, "Uh, you better have a tent because like where we gonna sleep else or yeah. otherwise?" And so, we got the tent, and the tent had like a wasp in it or something like that, and there was no sleeping bags. There was like nothing there. And so we're like, (laughs) okay, this sucks. So luckily our friend, um, her name is Victoria, shout out to Victoria. She had an extra like tent and she had like sleeping bags and all that stuff. So one of us slept in that tent with the wasp. We went and like cleaned it out and all that and then someone else slept in the other one and we're like, all right. And after that, we went home and we bought tents. we're like, okay. Okay. No, <laughs> if we're, we're going to be
0: playing this scene, we got to be ready. We got to yeah. be, like,
1: ready for this. And so, like, I, I love all of that about And, like, again, like, I love the music. But once I saw, like, the actual culture behind it, I was like, this isn't, like, what I pictured. Like, yeah. Like, like, I expected things to be much more professional. Yeah. But just... With all that stuff, like, I think because it's so underground, they they don't have to, like, abide by the rules or the laws or whatever. Like, they can go and kind of, like, anything goes. And so, with that, it, it led us to kind of, like, exploring house more and, like, finding a lot of, like, it's called, like, tech house now. Yeah. And so, like, now, I mean, tech house has a totally different um, meaning than when it did, like, when I first found tech house. Same thing with, like, dubstep, even, yeah, too. Yeah. And so, like, now it's just, like, okay, seeing these these events and, like, seeing how it's, I guess, like, popular in a way. And, it, and it's, like, very accessible. Like, dubstep is very accessible now. But it's also... It just gets tiring after a while. And, like, I like much more chill music. Like, for me, I love ambient music and, like, just very, really like, mellow stuff. And so, like, he, hearing this like house music we're like oh it's chill um and, and just like more like has like a vibe to it yeah and and so um even though i say i love ambient music on the other side i do love like skrillex and i like the more like in your face but really again like eclectic and very unique stuff so just it just like gets gets you like really excited in, inside and so like kind of like taking those two things like having this really like edgy or music with an edge and mixing with like the more chill and the, the more like, 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 like yeah has like a vibe to it it was like that seems like a, like a good mix and so instead of just like full force heavy or full force chill like why not combine the two like and find like that balance and that's where you started coming up with that sound right yeah and so like we kind of explored that sound with like platinum in the zoo it was more just like housey and had a vibe to it but then yeah like i guess like being surrounded by the underground bass world we were just like more influenced by it by like the sound and the the culture and all that stuff. And and like I said, again, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love being a part of that culture, but for longevity's sake, it's like, <laughs> you've got to kind of think about something else too. Yeah. So well,
0: there's a time and place. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. When you said you've always been in a chill ambient music, I know Christian, the ex, the partner in X and G is way into games. Did you grow up playing games? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I, I play, That's what I thought. I think we've talked about it. Yeah. And I noticed um, a lot of people, have mentioned a lot of artists that I've heard on other podcasts or have been on reference games as part of the reason that maybe planted the seed. Like maybe they weren't making music as a teenager, but they were playing games and like really getting into the soundtracks or something. And that's what they went to when they started playing music. What uh, what soundtrack – if you could say, what's the best game soundtrack?
1: Right now off the top of your head, what would it be? I mean that is a good question because I haven't really dived into too many – Soundtracks, But there was one in particular uh, that st- stood out to me. Was It was like Sonic 3D.
0: Sonic 3D? Yeah. Nice. Was that the Dreamcast one?
1: No, it was PC, actually. PC.
0: Yeah. Oh, Sonic 3D Blast. Isn't oh, yeah, it like, yeah, yeah. 3D Blast. Yeah, isometric view of squares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That game was awesome.
1: Yeah, and I remember having that on PC, and like my dad got like a joystick for the PC, so like I'd just be playing with like this joystick, and it was kind of like, um, not like two D. It was it was like kind of like th- like a three D plane, but you're still like yeah, looking it's, above.
0: That's uh, a uh, isometric three D. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Isometric. Yeah. And so um, I, re- I just remember playing that all the time, and I put. The CD in my CD player one time, and you could play the soundtrack Uh, from the game. And I was like, oh. Blew your mind. Yeah, so I would just like play that soundtrack all the time, and there was a couple levels that had just like super chill music. And I was like, oh, this is so sick.
0: Yeah, you were into it. The first time I discovered that, I think PC games had been playable in CD players for a while when the PS1 came out it was the first like at home disc console that got really big. There were Sega CD and 3DO and some ones that didn't that didn't really take. Yeah. But the PS1 took and and uh, I remember you could take the games and put them in your CD player and they would just play the soundtrack of the game.
1: Oh, I never it was, tried it with a PS1 game. It was dang, awesome. Sure. I don't know if
0: it's every single game, but there's definitely games that could do it. Yeah, the uh when you grew up gaming you had a PC when you were a little kid?
1: Yeah. Did He's, you have
0: consoles at home?
1: Yeah, so P- or PS one was like my first console. PS one was your first console? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Yes. I remember like playing uh like Primal Rage. Yes. And Primal Rage. Uh, Akuji the Heartless and um oh my gosh, like Soul Calibur Two and What was that other so you one? Liked
0: fighting games, sounds like.
1: Yeah, like fighting come... games and just like puzzle games. Like another game that came out on PS2 was Prince of Persia. That was like yeah. one of like my favorite games. And then uh, on PS1, the game that has stood out to me the most, and I still play now on Xbox, is Crash Bandicoot. Oh. Like Crash Bandicoot is like number one for me.
0: Did you uh, – you know they remade the Crash Trilogy for PS4?
1: Yeah, so I have it on my Switch. I have the Is tr- it on Switch? Yeah. I didn't know that. Dang. So I have – I got a Switch and I have the trilogy and then I just got um, Crash Team Racing on Xbox. Oh, and me and my girlfriend play that so much. Dude,
0: Crash Team – so <laughs> Crash Team Racing for me, I, I, I had a PS1 and I had a 64 a little bit later. But I was always a PS1 kid and the 64 was definitely at least where I grew up. There was still – like when I had a Sega – the NES kids would give me shit because and the, <laughs> the Super excuse me Super NES Super NES I think sold more and was ultimately more popular and more successful than the Genesis and probably had better games and I think the 64 has like more cultural impact but the the PS1 had so many games, and it was so, so cheap. many good games. So too. many good games.
1: And it's yeah. funny you say that the, the Genesis was so unpopular because that was like the very first console. Yeah, I Yeah, it was playing. my first. So
0: yeah, that's you're the first person to have the same two consoles.
1: Well, I mean, that one I didn't own. Um, I I had a babysitter when I was younger, and so I would you go play there, the Genesis. And play yeah. it all the time. What do you play? remember?
0: Uh, so how old were you when you're playing the Genesis? I think I was like. Eight. That's, that's old enough. What do you remember from the Genesis?
1: Um, I played. I only played one game, and it was uh, Donkey Kong sixty four.
0: Donkey Kong sixty four. Or that's a sixty four game. Donkey Definitely Kong. Definitely not a Genesis game.
1: Donkey Kong Country. It was something. Oh, like, Donkey
0: Kong Country. That's a Super Nintendo, not a Genesis. I
1: don't remember the exact one. It was some Donkey Kong game yeah, on Genesis. There's Donkey maybe Kong it was just like Donkey Kong Country. Genesis.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be Donkey Kong Country.
1: Country.
0: Yeah. it's was okay. like you're a side scroller yeah. and you play like these, uh, you play donkeys and you get bananas and you jump on reptiles. And you could play Diddy too. He plays Diddy, yeah. That's a Super Nintendo game. One of the old... That came out. That's oh, actually wait. perfect what? timing because that came out to compete with the PS1 and 3D graphics. So the Super Nintendo was coming at the end of its lifespan and the PS1 and, the, and like the Sega Saturn were coming and uh, the, they were worried about 3D graphics. And so they went to Rare, who um, – they've, they've done a bunch of other games now. But I think at the time they weren't that – that uh, I think it was Silicon Knights actually. But they had access to early early like 3D rendering computers. And what they did is they they rendered the graphics like on supercomputers, like the little Donkey Kong character. Yeah. And, they would, and then they'd animate it and then break it down to just like really low-res images. And then they would give the Super Nintendo that to work with. So the game looked amazing for a Super Nintendo game because all the lighting and all the textures were all pre-braked and done on these supercomputers. And it was like a revolutionary new way. And so that game – like that, I can see yourself at eight years old like that game sticking out because when that game came out… It looked so good. Could, people could not – like people were like, it's the PS1 killer. It's got better graphics. The PS1 was new. But like it just – I remember seeing it for the first time I didn't have a Super Nintendo and I'm like fuck. <laughs> like Genesis don't have that. Yeah. That's pretty badass. It was super sick. It was amazing. And it was a good game too.
1: Yeah, it was super fun. Like every time I would play like it looked good and like the it was just a like, cool like it just like immersed you like in the world. Yeah. Like, that was, like, the one thing I, I loved about it. Same with, like, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and, like, all those, like, cool puzzle games. Yeah. To where they just, like, immerse you. Like, they have a Spyro
0: this. trilogy. Uh, is that on Switch as well?
1: Yeah, it's not. I, I haven't got that. But it's on Switch and Xbox, PS4, all that. But that's the other one I'll have to grab. But that one's another. Did
0: you ever play a game called Apexcape
1: on PS1? Yes. That sounds so familiar. You just had to catch monkeys and nets? Yeah. Yeah, kind of That like, game
0: was... That's an untold classic in my opinion. It's so fun. It reminded me a little bit of Spyro and Crash because it had like that sort of timeless, like little kid, cartoony aesthetic to it. Yeah. But the game was actually really solid, really hard. And like the it was – I think there's a – I don't remember how many monkeys total. There was a bunch of monkeys. And they like put them in weird ways where you have to figure out like mini puzzles to like find these monkeys and get to them. And I think I remember thinking that game was right up there. I liked Spyro. I didn't get into Crash, but Spyro and Ape Escape, I was definitely into.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I think I played like Ape Escape once or twice, but I definitely remember the name. Yeah, like, it's good. I remember it was kind of it wasn't big, but it was definitely like one of like the more popular titles it like blockbuster. Yeah, or, you know, all that stuff.
0: So Crash Team Team Racing, I remember loving that game, thinking. I still, to this day, I haven't played the new... How's the new, like, remastered version?
1: I mean, it looks really good. And it's it, it's super fun. Like, I remember there being something about the controls. They're a little, like... um Like, it kind of like takes a second to kick in. And it's the same with the the Crash Trilogy, too. Like, they were a bit more responsive with, like, the jump on the PS1. And now, like, you have to, like, hit it, like, just a split second, like, when you actually... Or, or like a split they second a before. a little laggy, maybe. Yeah, like laggy. I wonder if that's are you playing on Switch. No, even like on the PS4. Even on the PS4, it's like that. Yeah, I remember like playing at my sister's house because she has a PS4, and it was just like just a, a little lag to it. Have you gone back and played the original on the PS1 to see if that lag? No, maybe... that that is what I need to do, and just like kind of like compare. Because that'd be weird. Because
0: i I know that the uh, like PS1 games when I go back and try to play them. Like, even though it's my favorite console, um, a lot of them don't age very well because they're
1: really clunky. Like early 3D games. Yeah, me, it's like this like Mandela effect that I have where it's just like, oh yeah, it was so good when I was a kid. Just at because the time, like, it was it was so
0: responsive to you at the time. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And now I'm like older. I'm just like, wait, I'm so used to all these other games being yeah. way more responsive.
0: I wonder, but that would be interesting. Maybe maybe with the remaster, it's not optimized well. I mean, it is possible. I haven't played. Uh, oh, I was going to bring up Crash Team Racing. That game. Did you ever play Diddy Kong Racing on the sixty four?
1: No, I played Mario, Mario kart, kart and like yeah, like that. But I only ever played Diddy Kong Racing. So Mario
0: Kart was like is the most definitely by far the most popular, well
1: known kart racer. It's
0: the OG. Yeah. It created the genre. No all, all props, but I think Crash Team Racing, it, at least in that era, I haven't played any of the modern Mario Karts. Uh, it was the best out of all of them because first Diddy Kong Racing came along and took the Mario Kart Racing formula, remixed it, and they added an overworld. Like, do you remember Donkey Kong Country? When you're not in your level, there'd be, like, a map and you could yeah. go. So Diddy Kong Racing, you would race around, like, an overworld to get to the races. And that okay. overworld had, like, secrets you would unlock and hidden passages. So it was kind of like... And then Crash Team Racing did the same thing, but took that even farther. And so at the time I played all three and I'm like Crash it was like a trilogy. There was Mario Kart, Diddy Kong, and then Crash took that formula and I thought I thought that was the funnest kart racer at the time. And I, I know that I'm not the only one because when people start talking about the remaster, some people online were losing their shit. Oh, yeah. Like,
1: oh, my God, Crash Dream Racing. I thought they'd never remaster it. Like, I never oh. expected that. And then they have a new Crash coming out this year. Like, there's, yeah. like, rumors about it. And I'm just like, fuck. It'd be so sick to have. Like,
0: like, a new Racer Crash or a regular Crash?
1: Brand new, like, regular Crash. Ah. I-, I-, I think. I assume so, That'd anyways. Be badass. But, like, they're bringing that. Like, they're making a new one of those. And everyone's, like, freaking out about it. But, yeah. But um there was two other games I remember being really pivotal or, like, monumental, like, in my childhood. And that was Driver. If you remember Driver.
0: <gasps> yes! You had to do stunts for movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. the first one was, like, stunts for movies. And then the, the second one was, like, what was it? I think it was, like, the same thing. And then Driver 3, it was more so, like, you're doing, like, these, like, heist missions type of thing. Uh, it was more, like,
0: GTA style. More GTA style. But, I remember Driver, it might have been 1 or 2, they were on the PS1, had a video mode. Early. Yeah. And I remember and you it could being do it like,
1: like the camera. Like and you could direct. move the
0: camera and set the angle up. And at the time, that was like, I wasted so many hours because I thought it looked so cool. He yeah, yeah, had like driver doing was the stunts awesome.
1: and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, so Driver and. Dance dance revolution. Dance
0: dance revolution. I remember. Did you have the pad at home?
1: Yeah, I had, oh, I, had shit. I had two pads, and so like me and my sister would do it. But like I used to go to like my buddy's house, and he had it, and that was like where I first actually played it. And I found like a lot of cool, just like trance stuff and like weird music that way too. And so with that, like I was like, I gotta get this at home. And then as that kind of died out. Uh, was when Guitar Hero was showing up. Uh. And then, like, that was, like, pretty much the end, it seemed, of, like, all, like, the music-related games. But, yeah, like, so many good games on, like, the PlayStation 1. And there's more, probably, that I can't even think of, but I remember playing so many games all the time. Did you play any RPGs on PS1? No, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy VII, because my friend was really into it, but I personally, at the time, I was like, no, I like the more action-packed yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so, like, because it was so slow. But now, I actually have the Final Fantasy Seven. It's not like a remake, but I think they just took the game and, like, imported it into the Switch. Mm-hmm. And so, I have it on the Switch and I've been playing it. And how, it's like, f- How far into oh, okay. it on the Switch are you? Um, Where are you at? It's, like, right after, like, the, the person dies in the castle... I mean, I don't know hardly anything. It's been a while since I played it, but it was like like they're like in the castle, and like that girl gets taken, I think, and they like go back out of out of it, and um, what is it? Like they're like helping that one girl like with their mom, and like oh yeah yeah I know like you're up in about. the bedroom and stuff like that, and then. They leave with her and I remember like going like over like these trains and you have to like, yeah, so go you're, across the train. You're
0: towards the end of the midgar section, which is like so you're like like one fourth through. Honestly, uh, so, yeah, I don't remember
1: getting too far into yeah. it, but yeah.
0: So the game really opens up. The remake, the Final Fantasy VII remake coming out in March, which holy shit, it's almost March.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's the only what they call the midgar portion of the game. So you're inside the very first portion of the game, you stay in that giant city that has the floating plates and the the reactors that you uh, try to bomb. Like you're in that only in that city for a long time, and then there's a certain things that happen in the story, and you actually get to leave. And then it opens up, and there's a big world map, like a 3D world map, and it's like a traditional RPG where you can cruise on this world map, and there's different locations. Oh, sick! You get an airship and a submarine, and and there's yeah, so. You're like close to the game, like totally opening up.
1: Dang, I would play I some more and then kind of yeah. see
0: how you like it once it opens up.
1: Yeah, definitely need to go and finish it. But I mean, like I've heard so much about that game being like such like a monumental game. It was, and I'm just like, all right, I need to like. See yeah, what this I don't is know all if about. it holds
0: up. That's why they're going to probably remake it. Um, there is, there is a way you can mod it pretty extensively on the PC. And like replace all the backgrounds, replace, um, and it can look a little bit better, but still plays like an old game. I don't know. I've tried to, I've played it once through since the first two times I played it as a kid. And it was good, but it didn't, it was just partially, I think, part of the magic of that game. Oh no, I'm going to shit on Final Fantasy VII. There's people here <laughs> that are going to lose their mind. You know what? They're like standing up right now, like, say it. <laughs> I say think it. it is a great game, but it is not the GOAT. Of RPGs, it was, it was just, it was like, it was the first, it was the first game of three that that Square made for the PS One, and it was revolutionary. But uh, I think the following two games are actually um, better games. But at the time, eight and nine, eight and nine, yeah. yeah. I like a lot of people. You know, the, the people Final say Fantasy that
1: like nine is just as good as seven, if not better. Is, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely better. like a debatable thing from like what I've heard I think the
0: I remember thinking the art style
1: I think the art style and the aesthetics
0: of 7 is cooler than Mm -hmm. 9 but then everything else about 9 like I think the world and the aesthetic and the lore of 7 is probably the coolest Uh, second coolest I think that world of 8 is cool but it plays like it's just the most clunky the models Mm -hmm. when you're like actually on the map are really clunky and blocky the writing has bad translation it like there's just it's just it's, yeah it was the first game it's a good game and it was mind-blowing at the time the first 3d sort of rpg the idea of pre-rendered backgrounds where you have a 3d blocky character mm-hmm. but the background is just actually 2d was kind of similar to that donkey kong thing right people had seen what they did with donkey kong on the snes like we're going to use supercomputers to create this awesome image and then we're going to just make that image like a flat compress it down and then feed the image to the console because the image is static and it's not taking up as much, like,
1: memory, too, I would imagine. Yeah, memory.
0: And so what they did on Final Fantasy VII is, like, they just had, you know, the handful of characters that were 3D and move around. Those were the only things that were in actual 3D. The backgrounds are 2D images that were rendered by supercomputers. And so they they didn't have to worry about making the game run. Like, they could just make the background as dope-looking as they want, and render just, it out, and yeah. just slap it, and then put their 3D characters on top of it. And they had to do some other stuff. but And at the time, that was... Like I couldn't believe the graphics, right? right? So I think that's part of the magic of why that game is so legendary.
1: Yeah, kind of like with like the Diddy Kong or Donkey Kong Country for yes, yeah, yeah, the same thing. Like it was just like looks so. But Donkey good. Kong
0: Country's a really solid game.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I think
0: I could I just sit on it, but it doesn't surprise me that you play to a certain a certain point in Final Fantasy VII and it kind of slowed down. And you stop playing, and you like a lot of the details are forgettable because the game, the game doesn't do a very good job of explaining like the world and the lore to it. Back back when I was thirteen when it came out, I had all the time in the world <laughs> to sit and think about and figure how like you know what I like mean. how I it all know. worked out. I, it would be hard to play that game as an adult, which is sad because you miss out on the magic.
1: Yeah, of what that and, game
0: was. Yeah, and that's
1: the thing. Like it's fun to play now for me, but I think. I'm not connecting with it because I didn't experience like that magic growing up. Like, it's still, I, I definitely see the appeal to it because yeah. it looks really dope, like just as is. And so, I mean, I'm sure the remake will be insane when it comes out too. It's gonna be. Have you seen footage of the remake? Yeah, it looks Whew. really awesome. That's some dope shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm really,
0: really stoked for that. Um, on PS One, so puzzle games. Did you ever play this game? There was this one puzzle game I've asked a few guests about. And I haven't bothered to Google it yet, which I should. It's like, you, it's like a series of blocks, like three or four blocks, and they roll towards you, and you're like a little guy, and you have, and like you have to like match blocks up, and then it tests your eye. I- the pitch of the game was it would tell you what your IQ was for that level, and the the better you played, like the, and it would like track you and tell you your IQ score over time. Do you, do you remember what that was, or ever heard of it? No. Damn it. I think I think it was like an obscure game that I somehow
1: Like I'm dis- trying to think I mean I didn't play any puzzly games like that off the top of my head. But yeah. I I don't know.
0: Uh do I'm trying to think of what are some other heavy hitters on PS1. So you didn't do the RPGs, you did crash, and uh damn. Everything I know on PS one is like super, super nerdy and niche yeah and rpgs really that was like that was my bread and butter i, I mean, went I deep should, down that rabbit hole
1: down the rpg rabbit yeah hole. i went
0: i went balls to the wall <laughs> in the jrpgs back in the day
1: yeah i mean i just remember oh another game i did play was uh, twisted metal you remember yes! that
0: twisted metal i forgot
1: about that yeah i used to play that a bunch oh, i'm trying to think of like what else oh odd world too Oddworld, yes. I forgot about that. that yeah, that was another
0: one. That was a PS one that used the similar, uh, the same sort of technology concept as Donkey Kong, but now it was on the PS one instead of the SNES, which means they didn't have to compress those images. They they had more bandwidth, and so it had amazing graphics at the time. I remember the opening cinema for Oddworld. Do you remember that? He's like working. Hi, I'm Abe, and I'm a yeah. gung and he's like mopping the floor, and it's like this whole world of. These squid dudes that are killing other animals and turning them into food, and then he realizes the new product that oh rupture farms, rupture farms. I found out rupture farms was killing all the whatever they're called gungans or something. Oh, that's Star Wars. But he finds out that the new product is his people, like his race, and and uh, then the whole game is you got to save all those people. And that was that's definitely a puzzle game, not an
1: action yeah. game. Yeah, it was more like like yeah, it was like a puzzle game, but like again, it like immersed you in this like bizarre world. This bizarro.
0: Yeah, that was one of the more creative um, – it kind of reminded me a little bit of, uh, like, wacky uh, – did you play Earthworm Jim? That
1: sounds so familiar. You ever played Earthworm Jim? I feel like I, I feel like I did. That sounds so familiar. You'd
0: like Earthworm Jim, I think. I think that game has aged well. That's a Super Nintendo or Genesis. So, yeah, you were, would have been a little too young.
1: Yeah, PS1 okay. is kind
0: of – 64. Did you have a 64 after PS1?
1: No. Uh – what did I have? Did After you... that I had a PS2, but I also remember playing uh, my buddy had a Dreamcast. Yes. And so I play like uh what was it? Taxi Driver or whatever. Taxi. Yeah, I think it's or, Taxi or, or Driver. Or Super Taxi something. Super like. Taxi. So I played like taxi. Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi. Yeah, uh, yeah, Crazy Taxi and some Sonic game. I remember like what it was called. Sonic
0: Adventure probably. E- I think there was two like 3D Sonics, like True 3D Sonics on Dreamcast. Um, yeah, Dreamcast is a interesting. Do you know much about Dreamcast? What happened to it? I remember like it. It didn't. It, it had like a super short life, basically. Super short lifespan, but it also I think up until the Wii, it was the fastest selling console. Yeah, like it launched amazing. I remember it, the controllers were so dope. They were dope, and you had that uh, like memory card that was slot in it, uh-huh. and you could see the screen. Yeah, it sold really, really well, and uh, then it died out really fast because of basically some, some things out of Sega's control, some things, some bad decisions in their control. There's people who have like done whole documentaries on the rise and fall of the Dreamcast because it's really odd for something to be that successful and, and then just, they die that fast. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it's it's made the Dreamcast a very like I'm a PS the PS one is basically like the magic console for me. Everyone has that one that like usually whatever you have between like twelve. And 17, 12, and 18. That's going to be... It's the same thing with music. Like, whatever you... Or, like, whatever bands you're worshipping. It's like, especially if you're a male that that age. Like, maybe 11 to yeah. 18. That's where everything is like, Yeah. Yeah, it forms your taste.
1: Yeah. Like... I just remember just devouring so many games, and then I kind of like stepped away from games and just like started devouring music. Yeah. But there was another game I remember that um, Tony Hawk and like Dave Mira. Like I remember playing both of those and being obsessed with like Tony Hawk. One, two, three, four, five. Like just playing all of them. Yeah. And yeah, like games like that, um, like or Burnout on PS2. Yeah, Burnout. And like, that's a good one. That franchise is
0: still going, they have released one not too long ago, really. Yeah, still, that's crazy. Burnout, yeah. uh, they went to the like the city model, like this was a while ago, probably like original Xbox, maybe Xbox 360. I have the PC version, it's called Burnout Paradise. Okay, I've, I've heard of it. It's like, uh, I feel like
1: that's like an older one, isn't I think it?
0: it's pretty old. I think it's like original Xbox, maybe 360. Um, but it has like an overworld instead of just like playing races, mm. you actually drive in like a GTA s type city, to f- and then like then you like go to a point and the race starts from there. Which yeah. at, at the time, all the previous Burnout games were just like pick a track or like it. levels, and that was a big deal. I like, blew my mind. Um, oh, speaking of racing games on the PS One, did you ever play Ridge Racer? That sounds
1: really familiar, too. Ah. I want to say I played Need for Speed and Midnight Club. Like, uh, Need for Speed Underground 1 and 2 were super huge games for me. And Midnight Club 3, just because of, like, again... So
0: you went all into, the, like, the, the racing, yeah.
1: Yeah, but a big part of it was because of the music. Mm. Like, that was how I found, like, a lot of, like hip-hop and like rap and all that stuff but also yeah just like driving around like it's like late at night yeah and you're like going and like how you said in burnout paradise you drive up to these like circles and you just like enter the race like that's how i remember it being for midnight club three and i think underground as well
0: i've played i don't i've either played midnight one of the midnights or i played underground one of the two but now remember like you can uh like pull up to a car you yeah. like flash your lights or something to initiate the race. A race, and then it'll like go into race mode. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, so, that was a cool idea back in the day when they started imp- implementing the open world elements into into racing games. Which goes back to, I mean, Diddy Kong Racing was the first I remember to doing it. Remember doing it, but then Crash Team, and then it went away. That's interesting. Now I think about it real time, like they had done the open world thing on sixty four, yeah, and PS one, and then it.
1: PS... And then it kind of stopped, and then... Even Need for Speed, I don't think... Need for Speed doesn't do it anymore. I, I, I actually... I think the last one I remember playing was, like, Carbon. And it was okay, but it was, it was like, open world, and it, like, loaded levels. But I I feel like with these newer games, they kind of, like, stopped doing it. It's just because it takes so long to load. But at the same time, I remember them loading... Back in the open world games. So. I like I don't know why yeah. they're like doing that now. But that's like what I loved about it. And like. I mean point in case GTA. How it's just open world. And you can literally like seamlessly transition from like. Just driving around with nothing to do. And just jumping straight into a mission. Yeah. And so. I think. I, I mean they definitely did it best. But I wish other. Racing games like that. Would still go and implement that.
0: I think. Uh, have you played the crew? I haven't played it,
1: but it's
0: uh, a PS4 game. The I crew? think. I don't.
1: I mean, I, I've, I've heard the name. I think maybe Christian might have played it, but I never got into like any of the other ones. There was like some other one, um, like just drive or or I don't know some some something else that was like a copycat of GTA. Yeah, yeah around like when xbox first came oh saints row saints row yeah yeah yeah. that's
0: what it was there's a handful of saints rows now yeah, yeah so yeah.
1: Like, they ended up becoming pretty successful but i remember like not being into it because i was like oh this is basically just gta like, yeah why do i care it was but
0: yeah that's uh so you went ps1 ps2 it sounds like did you have like friends that had a 64
1: yeah so I, I remember playing uh banjo tooie or yeah. banjo kazooie whatever kazooie yeah and so I remember playing that on 64. Um, what else? Like Wave Racer. Yes. And wave Racer. That was a, yeah, oh, sorry, that was a
0: big one. I, yeah, Wave Racer, the wave technology. I've said this like a thousand times already. But I remember just – that's one of the <laughs> – I saw this meme. We backtrack. I saw this meme the other day that was – says like, it's 1998. You just got Goldeneye. Goldeneye. <laughs>
1: oh i remember GoldenEye. yeah
0: you just got GoldenEye. you have four controllers pizza's on the way and your friends are here and you also have four rumble packs you don't know this but this is as good as life is ever going to (laughs) get and i think about that uh like those those powerful memories that's kind of how wave racer was for me i got a 64 late because i had a ps1 some games had already come out and i begged and begged and I finally got one. I got a Christmas morning, and I, the only game I had, and that first was Way Racer. Yeah. So like, there's just something about that magic, that game, the the music, that opening. I think it's called Dolphin Park. Do you remember like the training mm-hmm. area? Yeah. And it's like the water's like crystal blue, like Bahamas type shit, and the wave techno. I had I didn't think it was possible to have water. That looked that good, and the physics, like yeah, how it, like bounced off the waves. Yeah, because if you ever go into the water, like in any GTA games, like PS2 games, or even GTA, uh, like Jet Moto was on PS1, which was like a like a hovercraft, and there was water, and the water was just like this flat blue texture. Then they would like run some like random, and it just didn't look like water or behave like water at all. And up to that point. I think I've talked about this with other guests. There's, like, no... Wave Racer came out of nowhere and was like, oh, you guys think you can do water? Hold my <laughs> beer, bitch. We're going to do water like nobody's... Yeah, nobody's watches. doing water. And that was... Even at the time, like, kids who didn't even have 64s were like... It was like... People talk about at school. Like, have you fucking seen Wave Racer? Dude, the water. The water. Everyone was talking about the water. Like, oh, my God, the water. It's it just was like, so good. So good for the time. And it I remember, amazing. like,
1: going to... Um like arcades and then there was like house of the dead and then there was Ra- Ra- rave racer and just like sitting there and just playing that and i was like whoa this is so sick like how it just like so yeah. smoothly just like bounces off the water you actually
0: move and the waves feel like they hit you and then you react the physics felt convincing yeah yeah when other games had there was an arcade game that was i think on a dream on the dreamcast as well called hydro thunder
1: yeah i remember yeah. that
0: yeah that one had good water too, but that came later. But that's yeah, that had really good water as well. Dreamcast had a ton of good racing games because Sega was putting out like Daytona. Oh um, yeah, yeah, they were always putting out racing games, and they would come to the Dreamcast.
1: Yeah, uh, funny story about uh, Wave Racer. Like there was so there was so how I got really into like actually making music was Owl City, and so Alice City had uh, this side project called Port Blue, and Port Blue. Was, like... One of the levels on Wave Racer. Yeah, yeah. And so it was all just, like, music that was kind of, like, mimicking that in a way. Mimicking Wave Racer's soundtrack? Like, soundtrack, soundtrack yeah. Okay. Just, like, it, he said it was, like, music for, like, the elevator and, like, lounges and airports and, like, coffee bars and all that stuff. And so it was, like, ended up becoming... How I be- fell in love with ambient music was because ah. of that. And then there was... Um, a friend of his that started a group called dolphin park (laughs) and so they made like shoegaze music Uh. and and so i was just like diving into like ambient and shoegaze at the time i was like 16 17 and just being like oh and i found out like that was like where like all that inspiration came from was from wave racer and so
0: and then there's also Wave Racer, their producer.
1: Oh yeah. Whose exactly. name is and he
0: makes Nintendo E yeah. kinda happy, which is obviously like an homage to the Nintendo sixty four and probably the game Wave Racer. He just like he disappeared for a while and then all of a sudden put out like two tracks and did a bunch of podcasts and basically said he had like a panic attack. Oh, he did podcast? Yeah, he did. A, he's done a couple podcasts. He basically he he blew up really quick, right? And then right. you remember everyone started making myself included. Like I was already playing around the video game. I remember thinking, "Fucking weight racer!" Like, <laughs> I was trying to make this shit already. Now he's blowing and up, he stole my in. thunder. But I mean, I loved his shit. I was like, "This is exactly like kind of what I've been trying to make." And then that that trended for a little bit. It was a pretty short trend. But uh, he uh, – and then he's – like, I didn't see him anymore for a while. And I kind of forgot that I had forgot about him. And then he showed up uh, – like, a podcast or a YouTube video showed up on my on my social feeds. I checked it out. And it was like, Wave Racer is putting out his first new song in, like, four years or something like that. And here's an interview. And I ended up get, I ended up reading it or watching it. I can't remember. I ended up watching a bunch of shit about it later. But uh, essentially, he had a mental breakdown and was like, I can't handle being like famous. I can't handle playing shows. He's like this kind of... And he had basically dealt with all of it. Got it all on lockdown. And then he came back and he did a new album or EP. And it's fucking fire.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so like, good. It's like much more like poppy with yeah, like the vocal Yeah, it's vocals, so refined. It's, it's really like lush yeah.
0: sounding. Yeah. And I'm like, god damn, he's a genius. It like takes five years off or for whatever long it was. Yeah. Comes, I mean, I'm sure he was creating during that time. But...
1: But still, like, having that break and just kind of, like, gathering all your thoughts and being like, okay, this is what it's like. Do I want to continue with this? Especially right when, like, the SoundCloud world was blowing up. Like, there were so many, quote-unquote, SoundCloud producers that were blowing up because of that whole wave. And they were just, like, kids, like, young people. And so many of them, like, got, like, depression or, like, just overwhelmed and being like, whoa, This is not what I was expecting. Yeah. Like, they go... Like, obviously, like, they come in. They're like, yo, like, I want to make beats. That sounds fun. And then, like, you see everything and you're like, whoa. You see behind the curtain a little bit. This is gnarly. Yeah. And so, like, it's cool seeing people who... Like, it feels like so many of, like, my favorite musicians from that era have just, like, disappeared. But... I, I've i been seeing, like, more and more of them are coming back. Like, how Tonight just came back and, like, dropped yes. an EP. Yeah. And so, like, it's cool to see that, like, they're working through that. They're still making music. They still, like, just want to release stuff. And it's like, dang, all right. So even though it's shitty for a second, there's still hope. Because, like, that was, like, how I felt, too. Like, yeah. kind of seeing that other side, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And so then, like, feeling, like, really shitty and being, like, Dang, like I had so much hope that this was gonna be like my thing. And yes. now like seeing it, you're just like I don't know if I want this anymore. I don't know, to know if I want thing. this anymore. Yeah. And then like now I like I mean like it's become such like a talked about thing about like um, musicians on the road and like anxiety and depression and all that stuff. And how to deal with, like, mental illness and stuff yeah. like that. So, like, it's cool to see, like, people are, are like, still, like, I want to do music, but they're, like, working through it. And they're successfully doing it. And so that's, like, giving me more hope. Like, okay, they can do it. I can do I can it, too. I can do it, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially... It's like a catch-22 because a lot of... Like, I've, I've seen a... Oh, what's the word? I've seen a pattern where it seems like for a lot of people... The more creative you are, like the more natural creativity or even developed creativity, the more gifted you are in a way. Oftentimes, the flip side of that is the more tortured you can also be. Yeah. And then combine that with so you have someone who's really gifted, they start blowing up on SoundCloud because, you know, they have a, a knack for it. They make some dope shit, it blows up. And then you put them. You know, what I would call like the the, the underground circuit or the up-and-coming circuit touring, which is if anyone has tried to be in a band, they've tried to be a producer or a DJ, which you guys have done that and moved on way past. But I did enough of it too. It's like, dude, when you're at the bottom coming up, that's not what I would say mentally – it's not – conditions that are conducive to maintaining a all. positive mental health attitude <laughs> yeah you, like you're just like dude. you're in the grungiest most like you said disorganized the the culture the peat like you just rub you rub shoulders with a lot of people whose lives are in just shambles
1: just messy people yeah and you're just like is this all it is because but i mean like Grant, like, you're just starting. Yeah. But, and, like, sometimes, you know, you meet really cool people in those situations, too. But especially, like, just being in, like, those dingy, like, small clubs or bars, you're just, like, this isn't, like, what I signed up for. And it's so
0: depressing to play for no one and no one cares. And, like, you already deal with it and you're already sensitive about your music and whether people like it. And they just, you're playing show after show and no one cares and it's not cool. And, and, and you're like, where's the end? And then you're just running across crazy homeless drug addict people that are chasing you and threatening you. And, and you don't know where you're at. And they put you up in a hotel. And there's literally like cigarette butts and needles in the fucking hotel. And you're yeah. like, what am I doing? <laughs> I went, I got booked in Denver once. And they put me up in the hotel right across from the venue. But I, it's in some part Denver. That I guess it's ghetto. And when I walked in, the hotel room said... Uh, please do not extinguish your cigarette butts on the wall. It was a plaque, like, mounted on the wall. I'm like, they've had such a bad problem with people putting out their cigs on the wall, smoking in the room, that they have to
1: put a plaque up. I'm like, oh. I think I know the place. I
0: think, Uh, did you come with me that time? Yeah, we
1: stayed there um, with you when you played, but also um, we played a show, I think, like, two years ago, and we stayed in the exact same hotel, and there was, like blood on, like, something. Like, it was just, like, so disgusting there. And, like, I opened up the fridge, and someone, like, left literally, like, all their, like, groceries in there, and there was, like, rotting rice and stuff like that, and I was, like, yeah, man. Man, I think – and then, I, like, when I was there, I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure I stayed here with Cade. And I remember, I like – I think I do remember you. I, like, I Like, I slept on the floor, and, like, our other buddy Dante came. Yes. And he slept on the floor, you and, did like, come Christian with me. was, like, sleeping in the corner. I do remember
0: that. Yeah, we, I played at the Meadowlark. Yeah, um, with Baby Shoe. That was – with Baby Shoe. And that was also the time – you guys must have been there. I was going to say the next part about the hotel is do you remember the room over being crack addicts?
1: I think so. I, I remember it being the worst hotel.
0: Yeah, they offered they offered me crack, and they were like out on the thing next, like, "Hey man, like we got a you, you know." I forgot what the lingo they used, but I knew I knew what they were talking about, and we were like, uh, I, "I." Someone else was on the balcony with me, and we just like, "Oh yeah, man, that's cool." We're, uh, anyway, uh, it was like walk back in the room and shut the door, and they they were just there for the night. Like that was just their place to get high and hang for the night. And I I just remember thinking, and I was probably older than you. I don't remember how old I was, but I had the same thought every musician has. I'm 29 or 30 years old, and here I am staying in this crack attic hotel. Yeah. I I spent $400 to come here and make
1: $300. And, like, what am I doing
0: with my life?
1: Yeah, and you're just like, dang. And then you have, like, friends who are just like, yeah, I just bought a house. I'm getting married, and I'm just like... Man, did I fuck up?
0: Did I fuck up by taking this path? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but like
1: choosing this path. And so like that really like fucks with you mentally because like, you know, if you want a family and you want all of that and like you're hoping to achieve that from music or, or any art for that matter, it's like it's really hard to like think about. Like when I first started, luckily, you know, I was single and didn't really have much thought of like oh i need to get a girlfriend or whatever like and like i want to start a family and all that and so like being able to just do that by yourself getting started i think is good because then you don't really have anyone else to worry about. Like, you can just spend, you know, 18 hours a day or or however long, yeah. multiple days every day if you must, just, like, making music. Or, like, say you have a day job and you're, like, okay, I'm coming home doing nothing but music. Yeah,
0: all my free time is music, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, like you don't have to go and, like, worry about, like, a significant other or, like, raising a family and all that stuff, too. Like Like, being able to, like, balance all of that. Plus, like, school, if you're going to school, too, like... That just seems you can't do so it.
0: much. Your music's definitely one of those things that if you're going to do it, you got to go all in. But yeah. what's scary about it is if you go going all in is not a guarantee.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a
0: requirement. If you don't go all in, go all in, go all in. Excuse me. Then your chance of success is zero.
1: Yeah. So and, it's and, like, so, and so then you just like grow, or like go through life, and you're like, dang, I never even tried. And you just, like, have, like, that regret of just, yeah. like, never trying. I think you should definitely, when you're young, I think
0: I heard Gary Vee, because Omar loves Gary Vee, he's always posting Gary Vee shit, um, said something along the lines of, when you're young, just take the big risk. Yeah. And go, because, go. like, you'll never regret it, and you'll learn from it. And when you're older, you can't take risks. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, whatever
0: you want, whatever risks, like, get do it in your 20s and go all out and see if you can hack it. And if you can't you couldn't dude there'll always be someone who'll give you a day job.
1: Yeah, there's always, always other options. Be... And like, yeah, like no one wants to work, but I mean like it's you find something dying. that you love to <laughs> yeah. do and you're like, Hey, this is fun, I like doing this, that's all that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter like what it is. And so yeah, exactly. Like you don't wanna die. Like I remember being stubborn when I was like like even like six years ago and just being like, No. I don't wanna get a job and I don't wanna put in the effort for whatever else and yeah. I just wanna make music but I was making really like weird niche music and so no one gave a shit. <laughs> and it was just like Alright, this is like I'm at the bottom of the barrel right now. Like yeah. I have overdraft fees in my account. Yeah. I, I'm I'm jobless. I'm living off of food stamps and I was just like No.
0: You got to figure something out, yeah.
1: Yeah, I need to do something else in life instead of, like...
0: I remember when you and Christian got that apartment in Salt Lake. Yeah. That was, like, a big move for both of you, which I think helped a lot.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like it helped a ton, just, like, being around each other and not having many other priorities at the time. Yeah. I mean, now, like, we both have our own kind of, like, separate lives and do our own thing. But we... Like at that time, like that definitely helped just like making all that music together. Well you
0: could just get down and neither one of you like we can both just grind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and instead of like Yeah, basically just like being there and just from as soon as you wake up to as soon as you go to sleep, just grinding. So that was I mean, it was a shitty experience, but also <laughs> it was it was cool well, because the apartment like, was
0: yeah, it was I mean every time I visited you guys you guys seemed like you're doing all right, but yeah, it was a it was one of those, you know, the cheapest apartment you can find. Yeah, it was yeah. horrible.
1: There was, like, the little, what is it, like, the ear word wigs or whatever? Yeah. Like, they would always show up, and there was, like, leaks in like, the um, <laughs> windowsills and just so much. And there was, Oh, yeah, and there was, like, crack neighbors there, too. So we're just, like, dang, like, we're all just, like, surrounded by crackheads at work, <laughs> at doing music, uh, at but home. But you were close to, uh, what's that restaurant, Red Iguana? Oh, it was yeah. close
0: to that, which is doesn't make up for it, but damn that's a good restaurant. Red Aguano is awesome though. It's the shit.
1: Did you have you guys done any video game music? Has anyone approached you to do video game stuff? We haven't done video game music yet. Um I think I remember like Omar saying he got like the Damn catalog in some skating game. That was on like Kickstarter. Oh
0: yeah, he uh, yeah, he got he got Damson involved in a skating game and it has the Damn logo on some of like the in game billboards. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I remember him telling me that. Yeah. I think they took some tracks, too.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think they – maybe they took one of ours, but I remember him saying that, like, yeah, he's like, yeah, like, I donated, basically, to this campaign. And for donating, you would have – be a part of the game, basically. Yeah. So I I don't remember what the name was or if it came out or anything like that, but
0: I guess – So there might be a track in a video game out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. But no
0: one's approached you, like – or your manager hasn't, like, have you guys, what's the word, explored doing video game music? I know Rob has done some, he's, I talked to Rob recently, and he's climbing that ladder. He's been getting a lot of outsourced work. So, like, whoever's been hired to do the soundtrack for a game will then a lot of times outsource some of, like, the more, you know, like, bitch labor that we got to go through and and clean up all these samples and make sure they hit these certain... Because the game makers will provide, from what I understand, like certain technical details. All okay. your sound effects that you design need to be in between this frequency range. Need to be at this dB, to, in order to fit into the mix for the audio engine or whatever. So I know Rob's been doing a lot of that work.
1: That's like, cool. He's doing um, that. I
0: think you could. I think you guys could kill it. The reason why I bring that up is every time I fantasize about the video game, I'm never going to make. <laughs> but I build it. I build the world and lore in my mind. I imagine. Like you guys and some other artists, I like doing the music.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I know both of us would love to do like a video game soundtrack. Like we did a uh, we did a short film soundtrack for someone. Um, it's not out yet, but I guess it's been hitting a lot of festivals. And so uh, this guy, he's he he was in New York, but he just moved back to, I think he's in Taiwan hmm. now. And so um, he like entered in this film into a bunch of festivals and i i personally would love to do like more stuff like that just like more like picture-based stuff and even like we've done a lot of like sync work we haven't landed anything yet unfortunately but just doing even like that just like hey like we need this type of pacing these types of sounds and it's like like how you said it's like bitch work like super technical and specific like we need a full dope idea in 24 hours go And you're just like, holy shit. And you have to just, like, drop everything. And just go for it. And just try and make it happen. And so, I mean, like, I don't think there's ever been once where we have been, like, we have no idea, like, what we're doing. Because there was, like, one where we made, like, a rock song for it. And, like, none of us really play guitar or drums or anything like that. And so we, like, made a rock song. And it's like, hey, if it doesn't land at least we tried it yeah and so it kind of like pushes your abilities those Makes ways your creative too. chops get better yeah yeah and also just dealing with pressure better too so yeah like i i like doing those projects and i think christian does too and like you know like i like making music and playing shows but i definitely think sooner or later i'd like to switch over to just the picture side yeah and like doing like like video games and like stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool.
0: Oh, I was going to tell you. I think I told Christian this. I had uh do you remember Levitate? He's Omar's friend. Yeah. He was on the podcast like two episodes. Awesome dude. Shout out to Levitate. He was uh said he remembered meeting you guys and we were talking about how you this you guys have some similarities in your tone kind of like the darker heavier side on some of your and he said, "Oh, dude, Action G, a lot of the guys I roll with and people I talk to in the scene consider Action G's the absolute best producers in the entire scene that's crazy and he's like it's very like I said you guys I think you guys have like a really it may not be huge but like I said again you're on the Tom York end of the spectrum and I think you guys should keep doing what you're doing because I mean it was interesting he knew I knew you guys but like I don't I just I don't think he knew I was friends with you he just knew Omar and Damson, and I was somehow loosely connected to Omar so I, I know he wasn't just saying that like because oh they're your friends or something I, just, I think I brought X and G up. Like, oh, you know X and G, right? Omar's friends. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, like, considered the best producers on the scene by a lot of people I know. Like, the absolute best. Said it like, now nah. I'm like, wow. So, uh, and he wants to collab with you guys. I gave him Christian's number. Nice. And I'm like, I'm sure they'll say yes. I, and I would, I love his tunes. And I think you guys would do a cool collab. So, there, there uh, Connor, here's my official. I did it. No, uh, yeah.
1: I'd be super down to collab.
0: I think his name's Connor. If I got your name wrong, Connor, or not Connor, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's... Name's Connor.
1: No, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is, too. I just calm Levitate. I remember meeting him in Seattle, and I have, like, another friend who's friends with him, too. And, yeah, like, I remember, like, talking to him a couple of times on uh, Twitter. I haven't had too much interaction with him. And in, in, in hindsight, we don't really interact with too many artists. Like, there's a couple of people that we've become close to. But, I mean, even some of them, like, it all just seems to be, like, who you like hang around with like uh, yeah. we used to be like really close with like um and even like censorship
0: like, and secrets
1: like i don't want to say any, anything too soon but i Beep. stopped doing music not doing music i don't think Beep. anymore oh. so i mean you maybe you might have to edit that out cuz i don't know if i can say that but <laughs> uh i can edit that out but um break anyway break but uh yeah so like uh and then like like um and uh, now most recently we met uh this guy he goes by one seven eight eight l i'm not I can't say his name, but uh, he is uh, he's a uh, really, the plot thickens the plot thickens, yeah, but he's a really cool guy, and so we've we've been hanging out with him and making some music, and he's super awesome like he likes the really like polyrhythmic type of like um Oh, what's that band? Um, tool? No, 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 not Tool. <laughs> the Polyrhythm band is that Tool you speak of? No, no. Oh man, it's oh Hail the Sun. Hail the Sun. Hail the Sun. They're they're more on like the Prague side, pro- like kind of Prague. It's like more like Dance Gavin Dance and Circus Survive. Okay, but emo Prague. More technical than they already are. Yeah. Uh, so more technical, Dance Gavin Dance
0: or Seosin?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And so it's, it's almost like that meets like math rock, prog rock type of stuff. And so it was really cool because like the voice reminded me a lot of, um, uh, what's his name? Anthony Green? Yeah. From Circus Survive. And just like the technical stuff about it reminded me of like, uh, oh, what's that band? Um, oh, it's like right on the tip of my tongue, like super like progressive band. Oh, Between the Buried and Me. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they're kind of like that, but he, like, I remember he, like, showed us them and super cool band. Definitely think you should check them out. Hail the Sun. Hail the Sun. I'm going to,
0: yeah, that sounds like right up my alley. So I tell people I like metal. I just say metal because the average person, when they hear music I listen to, will just probably say it's rock or metal because they're not into, like, music terminology. But if a metal head, like a true metal head, was like, you calling that metal? That's not metal, bitch. That's prog. Yeah, I'm like, I definitely, I like prog groups that mix in all of those different, they take a little bit of metal and they do the prog thing too. They take a little bit of bath rock and do the prog thing too. They take a little bit of grunge and they mix it up. To me, that's what prog is. It's like, you're taking all these influences and then mixing them around doing cool shit with them.
1: Yeah. And that was like what i really got into like towards the end of like my metal days was like really progressive technical stuff like periphery and like yeah. animals as leaders and like um there's this is one band called the contortionist which is like yeah. one of like, my favorites awesome, too
0: and uh periphery the i think it's periphery or contortionist uh, jason richardson
1: which one does he play for oh he's in oh what he wasn't was he in periphery he wasn't born of osiris uh, oh, born of Osiris. He might have switched to another band. I might have been Periphery, actually. I, remember, I remember he like. I can't switched. remember
0: who it was, but he did a solo album with like a YouTube drummer kid that blew up on YouTube doing drum covers. He's fucking good at drums. Damn. And uh, it's just him and this amazing drummer, and they put out a like. A, I think you'd like it. It's yeah. It's a little experiment, like weird sometimes, which is well, why I think you like it, but. Yeah, it makes it reminds me of the like, contortionist between the bird and me and like all of that, but a little bit more proggy, like a little more show off, where almost instead of just like, being like heavy,
1: almost like Chon, you know Chon? Yeah, I like Chon,
0: C-H-O-N? Yeah, yeah, definitely way harder to them. Chon's guitar tones are way more like smooth. Yeah, just like buttery. Yeah, this is like yeah, more like Chon, but everything is like that classic. I don't know Mesa Boogie guitar like okay do, do, yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> like uh, oh man who was like oh there was some band oh uh, Masuga you know Masuga yeah yeah like they're Those like dudes they're are like one, like the first ones to like do that type of like yeah, the Mesa Boogie shit
0: yeah me, 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 Mega Sugar or
1: sugar I don't know how to
0: pronounce Masuga yeah Masuga.
1: I just think of, like, Meh Sugar.
0: Meh Sugar. Meth Sugar.
1: Yeah. What's, uh... (laughs) If you could
0: do the soundtrack for any game, like retro, like, travel in time...
1: Any game. What game would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I think one that could be fun to do would be... Like, Akuji the Heartless or, like, Odd World, just because they're so, like, their worlds are so, like, dystopian and, like, weird. Yeah. And, like... What's Akuji the Heartless? That's not ringing Akuji a bell. Akuji the Heartless, it was some game I played, and it was, like, you're, like, this guy, and you had, like, like your heart's taken out by, like, your brother or something like that. And you're, like, on, like, this quest to just basically, like, get your heart back or something What like
0: console that? was it for?
1: PS1. PS1? Yeah. Akuji the Heart... I'll have to look it up. Yeah, uh... And so it was like, kind of like Prince of Persia, like it was like the same type of like format where you're just like doing certain like jumps and stuff, or like even like God of War, where you're just kind of like exploring this like world, yeah, and just like going through, just trying to like, get to like your brother. And I think I think that's like how the premises of like uh, Prince of Persia and God of War and some other game that I played that was similar to that, but uh,
0: or or Oddworld, yeah, Oddworld would definitely be. That's a fun world to try to make. Odd music world, to. I
1: I I mean, the one game I think that I'm stoked on now. Um, I mean, I don't know too much about it, but what, what I've seen looks really dope so far. Is uh, Cyberpunk 2077? <laughs> Ooh, you made
0: my pants tingle, so, dude! I'm. so... So, 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 so stoked for <laughs> yeah. cyberpunk. Yeah. That game, like, oh, that game. I don't even know where to start. I probably talk. Yeah. You, you talk. Otherwise, I won't shut up because I like that game so well, much. Well,
1: I actually want to know more about it because, like, I remember seeing the trailer and I just remember it was basically like um, GTA and what was that game where you could hack the phones? Uh, watchdogs yeah it's like a combination
0: that. of that Combin- there's definitely that so yeah it's cyberpunk is based off so there's like the aesthetic kind of sci-fi uh label which was called cyberpunk like it's a kind of a lot of people use that term to describe the aesthetics of say maybe like did you ever see the anime ghost in the show it goes in the show, The Matrix. The like, Matrix. So, Matrix maybe, but some people might some people might call that style like or cyberpunk. Or I guess even like Final Fantasy VII. Would you call that like yeah? There'd be a little cyberpunk, cyberpunk in that, but cyberpunk initially is like a book or, or in a board game. Maybe I forget which one came first. It was like. Uh, a,
1: do you know about like steampunk? You know what that is.
0: Steampunk is, is uh, not like an official book, but it's a, it's the same idea, but everything steam powered. Okay. Right. Ste- like steampunk is like, as far as aesthetics go, it's like pipes and rust right. and brick. And I just uh, remember like
1: lots of people wearing like those like, big weird masks with like the goggles yeah, and Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But cyberpunk is also, I want to say, I know it's a board game in a book. It's like this, there's a guy that actually wrote, like, built the world, like, uh, token built Lord of the Rings. Okay. So it's kind of two. It's it's one. It can be loosely used as like a term to describe like in a sci-fi type aesthetic, or it's an actual world called cyberpunk. And the game Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is set in that world. It's like a sequel, sort of a, a sequel to the original so book, the book and the board game. Uh, gotcha. And it has yeah. So like like Watchdogs, one of the things you can do is be a net runner, which is basically like a hacker. Everything's right. connected to the net. Um, and in the world, it's it's like they we. Basically, every everyone can like augment
1: themselves, which is crazy. It's, and it's crazy, it's crazy that that's like becoming like an actual reality too.
0: And it's made by. Did you ever have you heard of a game called The Witcher? Yeah, The Witcher three. It's on Netflix,
1: by the way. The Witcher and they didn't they do um, Dark Souls? No,
0: that's from software. That's also but CD Projekt Red is the ones that are the ones that made the Witcher. They did Witcher one, two, and three. Witcher three was this massive success. Yeah, Um, they got a bunch of money and then they got contracted to do Cyberpunk. And they're very one of the reasons I'm very very stoked about it. Which might be interesting to you is they're they're kind of like they're like the gamer studio. So I don't know if you hear. Like, EA is, like, hated by everybody. Right. But they're huge, and they own all these properties, so we have to buy their games anyway, because they own... They do... They have a thing with Disney, so if there's going to be a Star Wars game, it's probably EA. You got it. And if you want to play a Star Wars game, everyone, everyone fucking hates EA. They're like... The cash cow, they're always trying to do microtransactions. That's like one end of the spectrum of what a lot of gamers consider like greedy mega game companies that say, don't care about the gamers.
1: Yeah. I remember like that huge outroar about – it was like Battlefront. Battlefront 2. Yeah, yeah. Like when that came out, like all the DLC was super expensive or something yeah. like that. And
0: like grinding and getting items. It was basically like pay, pay to win and they were just trying to milk people. That's one Crazy. end of the spectrum. CD Projekt Red, the makers of Cyberpunk and The Witcher, mm-hmm. are like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Nice. They never put DRM on their games, which is like, we don't care if you pirate it. Oh, not. really? Because DRM can get in the way and make games, uh, especially if you're playing on PC, depending on your configuration. There can be a lot of bugs that happen with DRM. They can make games run slower. They can make PCs run slower. So they don't, like, they don't do DRM. They they always like they don't do uh paid like their dlcs are actually worth the money and they're just they're very like the opposite end of the spectrum they gamers love them and buy their products because they actually don't do all the greedy shit that pisses gamers off and they always put out good actually they don't always put out good games Witcher one and two are kind of janky games if you try to play them now Honestly, but, like, I, Witcher,
1: I remember like Witcher three Witcher three is amazing was, like, big one, one
0: of the best games ever yeah but when they got basically announced they were making cyberpunk. I'm a big sci-fi nerd. And at the time it was like my favorite genre, which is sci-fi, yeah. specifically cyberpunk, now is going to be made by my favorite developer. So that, and that game was first announced in 2013, I think, 14. No, it, wasn't. it was just a CGI trailer. They yeah. didn't have any oh, gameplay. They were like tank. deep in pre-production. They weren't even, they announced it way too early. So I've been yeah. waiting for that game for like seven years. That's crazy. And it's finally coming. So, Sorry, I had to spout off. You said cyberpunk, and it was like, <gasps> no, that's, it's finally coming. I
1: mean, like, same as you. Like, I've always liked cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah. And then, like, seeing, like, Keanu Reeves is in it. Oh, and, yeah. And just, like, seeing just, like, the visual appearance of it, it looked really it sick. It looked badass. Levitate <laughs> made a point that he doesn't,
0: and I didn't argue with him. Because I he I think he's he's way deeper into the world of aesthetics and design than I am. yeah so he's like, oh, I don't think cyberpunk is actually cyberpunk aesthetically and he's talking about the game. He's like, I think that's kind of like a cheesy sort of poppy what's the word like cliche way to to visualize cyberpunk, the concept of cyberpunk Right. But I'm like, okay, I can see that. But they're paying homage to the original, and they're working directly with the author who who basically created the world of cyberpunk. He created the style, essentially, and the board game and the original books, and he consulted on the look of the game. Yeah. So like so, that's yeah, it's cliche, cyberpunk, but but it's also like the original. There was that's what cyberpunk started out as, and, and it's
1: the same thing with like anything else. I want to say like you know like someone goes and. Uh, creates something and it gets popularized by these more in-depth like aesthetics yes like, like same with like emo or scene or whatever yes, like yeah, yeah. you know it's like a very like probably like pretty like linear look and then it's just like oh no you have to have your hair a certain way and you gotta listen to a certain type of music and wear some yeah. type of pants and like all this shit and and like i, I mean I, I understand that and i support people doing that but yeah like when people go and like make an original idea and then it just gets skewed it's like okay like what's the original and what is like what's popular what's, now what's
0: been born from yeah what are the evolutions yeah exactly the evolutions yeah and i actually agree with him i don't love the look of the game like i think there are way cooler cyberpunk aesthetics out there for than sure. the aesthetic for the game yeah I, I i 100% agree with him there like yeah you know you're right and, like, the stuff – he showed me a bunch of shit on Instagram and other Cinema 40 because he's, like, deep down in that world now. And uh he showed me some dope, dope shit. Like, that's a rabbit hole I don't know much about. So I, when I started going down, I'm like, yeah, like, this – just, like, the music world, the aesthetic, the 3D, the Photoshop, like, even even just within sci-fi itself goes just as deep, right? Oh, for sure. Right? And – uh so I think he's right that he's. I think I don't think he said it was like the wrong cyberpunk. I think he actually just said I'm not into that like a, that cliche style of cyberpunk.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm sure it's probably a more commercialized or like more mainstream yeah, version. It's a, may,
0: it's a very mainstream game. Yes, yeah. because
1: like they wanted to be successful, so they probably had to kind of like dial it back a yeah. bit. And so I, I mean, thinking about it now, I wouldn't be surprised if like cyberpunk. Becomes like the next big like fashion trend in some Dude, way. I,
0: every, video games are a big moving force in culture now. Yeah, much more than they were when we were we were kids. I have I've said this a few times. I haven't fact checked it, so if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure it's right. It's either two things. The stat is either a video games are bigger than both music as far as gross income generated worldwide, um, or maybe maybe it's just the U.S. But more than movies and music. And I think I heard. Someone or a headline that said it's more than movies and music combined. I don't know if those are true, but the point is, video games have gone from when we were younger to like they were pretty like a lot of kids played them, but I still got made fun of. There were a lot of a lot of like a lot of kids that thought video games were dumb
1: and like nerdy, like oh nerdy, you're a nerd, yeah, you don't have no nerdy. life. All that stuff. Very still. nerdy,
0: and but then somewhere around GoldenEye to Halo, the fir- and then Call of Duty for sure is the first person shooter brought in. Even the most hardcore guys that were into sports or meatheads that are very anti-game, you could catch them playing GoldenEye or Halo, yeah. or definitely Call of Duty. And I think, and obviously other games like Uncharted. And there's there's some franchises that have really branched out, but now it's not even it's like everybody games.
1: Yes, yeah, just become like a staple. It's a and, staple. And I was gonna yeah. say, I think those stats are right because, like, think about it. Like, there are podcasters as musicians, but the biggest thing. That has popped up is streamers. Like the streaming world is fucking huge. It's huge, yeah. And like they there's so much revenue from that, from like Twitch and uh, the other ones too. There's that new one, I think it's Max that keeps who was that's that new one they
0: keep stealing Twitch streamers for exclusive. Like they'll pay that guy Ninja got paid some ludicrous amount of money to basically leave Twitch and go on this new platform. Max. I don't I don't, I don't think it's called Max. Shit, what's it called? Like, I can't I'm trying to
1: think of like the other ones. Like, there's Twitch, and there's like, I can't think of any right there's now.
0: There's one other one that's making moves. I've been seeing that's in like headlines, big, yeah. and it's getting guys to come over. And I know Ninja, who's a Fortnite, like a really, I think he's right. the most popular Fortnite streamer. I, th- I think, he, I mean, I know he is one that has moved over. A oh, Mixer. I think it's called Mixer. Oh,
1: Mixler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think
0: it's called Mixer. He's, like, exclusive on Mixer now. There's definitely a battle going over stream- wow. for streaming. The yeah. thing
1: is, it's funny because, like, I remember using Mixler or Mixer for, uh, like, or, or, or it, it, look, it reminded me kind of, like, Tiny Chat, like, when I would do, like, those online concerts. Yeah. And so, uh, like, Tiny Chat, it just, like, looked kind of, like, whatever. It was just... Like, a chat room type of thing. And same with... Uh, if I remember correctly, Mixler looks similar to, like, TinyChat in terms of, like, the layout. Hmm. And, and it's just, like, clanky. But, like, you see Twitch. And I think Twitch is just, like, so streamlined, super clean, super easy to, like, navigate and all that stuff. So, it's interesting that, I mean, uh, Ninja, like, went over to, Maybe to it's Mixler. not... I
0: could be wrong. Because when I saw the article... I saw the the branding for the other platform, and it had, like, really modern, clean-looking branding. So that doesn't sound like what you're describing. Then maybe
1: they went and did a revamp. Or the, maybe
0: they re, they re, revamped their whole thing. I don't know. But yeah. what I do know is, yeah, there's, there's a, streaming is huge, and that's only one part of the video game sort of ecosystem. Like They're huge. And like you were and saying, the like, like, cyber... Like, Go,
1: oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, like the tournaments too. And Tournament,
0: then, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dude, the like, League of Legends, Fortnite, uh, Starcraft. Oh, what's the other big one? Uh, the other Moba that's huge. Damn it, I cannot smite. It's not League of Legends. It's still Dota. Oh yeah, Dota. Dota yeah, like those all those you know those huge tournaments will have. Millions and millions of dollars in cash prizes and, and millions just like of users. there's so many
1: people that like
0: go to it yeah. and just watch it. Video games, they're huge. And so going back to what you said, I think you're right that I would start looking. A lot of times video games were behind cultural trends, mm-hmm. right? So something like skate, uh, skateboarding or beach culture or, or movies, right? Blade Runner or something comes out and video games would draw their aesthetic from the media that came before them. Right now they're so big. It might go the other way around, like you said. Cyberpunk comes out, and and that instead of instead of video games taking inspiration from the fashion industry, maybe the fashion industry is now going to take inspiration from the video game because the video game is so big.
1: Which I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah. Look at what just came out, like on Netflix, the Witcher series. Yeah. And so, like that, I that, but that, didn't that come from a book? Originally? Witchers
0: an, uh originally a... Series of short stories and a couple books, and then the CD project Red made a deal with the the whatever the author, and then they did the three Witcher games. Yeah. And then the Netflix series is basically the books. So the Witcher games, well, not the games, the Witcher three, what that everybody knows, basically that game takes place after the the Netflix show.
1: Got it. Okay. So it's
0: uh, it's yeah, like I said, but it's gone, and that show's done amazing.
1: Yeah, no, everyone it. talks about it. Have you it's, watched it yet? I haven't yet, but I've heard really good things. You should watch it. But, I, I mean, like, I figured that the series was based off the books, but I didn't know if, if in any way the game might have tied in somehow. Yeah, like,
0: it's uh, – the game I, – I, I might be wrong on this. From what I understand, the part of the deal they made with the author, the first deal – which he was un- the author was unhappy about, and they've since renegotiated. It was news just recently. But part of the first deal was he took the author took a flat uh, pay up front because okay. he didn't think the games were going to do well. And the first two games didn't sell that much. But I think the deal was, the, the initial deal was for a trilogy. They paid him up front, and then one of the other things was the games w- would not be considered officially canon. Uh, because of, of his world but they 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 set at least the third game I haven't played the first two games the third game is set plus set like way later than the uh than the the show and in the initial books and what I understand is like the game they sort of wrote it as like an unofficial extension or a sequel to the books but I don't know if when the show catches up to that point cuz the show's based on the books if the show's going to follow the game yeah. or they're going to change it cuz I think the game is not considered
1: like, like official like... canon, yeah. Church, yeah.
0: But Which... I mean, so far, like, so Witcher Three has like inferences about the the past of all the main characters, yeah. And all those same main characters are in the Witcher TV show, and I knew a ton about the show from playing the game. And uh, so, even though the, even though the game's not canon, like I understood the show like much better than someone who hasn't played the game. So, it's close. I would recommend... I mean, it's one of those shows, if you start watching it, just know you're going to be confused. Because they, like, sort of expect you to understand the world of The Witcher.
1: Yeah. And they don't really explain. They just kind of throw you into the middle of it and, like, figure it out, bitch. Yeah, which is... I feel like like some of the more popular adaptation of books into movies, like, a lot of them kind of just throw you into the world. Like, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or... um, What's the other one? Oh, like, even... Uh, what's the vampire series? Which one? Oh, Twilight. Twilight even too. Like yeah. they just kind of like throw you in. Actually, actually, I think that one does a bit more of like an introduction. But f- I mean, for like what it's true because you have you just don't have the time in a movie, right? To like develop things like you do in a book. Yeah. And so, like, in the books, I think they kind of, like, introduced you, whereas the movies, they just, like, throw you in. Like, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and Twilight, and some other one, maybe, but I don't remember what. I didn't
0: didn't read those books, but I did watch Twilight 1 or 2, but it was such a cultural... I ain't a, like I did like it because it was like popular and all the hot girls were in Twilight. So it's like, well, I gotta know what it is because yeah. all these hot girls are talking about this Twilight thing. Apparently, Edwards. Apparently, Edwards, where it's
1: at. Yeah. I need to be more like Got, Edward. I gotta be like him. <laughs> but yeah, I remember reading the books and then I saw the movies and the movies were shit. They were so bad. They're horrible. The only thing I thought was cool
0: in the first movie is when he like he like stops a car from hitting her and like he's so strong like dense the car in
1: oh yeah and i'm like oh he's got super strength
0: okay this is cooler You're but like, then they never did anything like he never he didn't beat any people up he didn't do
1: anything he didn't do any cool shit it was like a little like tease like a little like cock tease or something yeah <laughs> and then it was just like all right that's it and it was like focusing more on like the relationship and all that stuff yeah i
0: knew it was and, like a girl's love story thing but i thought like vampire and werewolves there's still gonna right. be there's still gonna be, be some, some dope action, shit, especially yeah. like
1: in a movie setting. Yeah, tape, yeah. But no,
0: there wasn't. There was nothing. There was like nothing.
1: So, but yeah, and uh, I, don't, I remember like what I else. don't remember. Somehow I, we got on the Twilight,
0: and now our brains are dead because we're talking about vampire fantasy novels. Which was uh, that lady was Mormon that wrote those. It's like a Mormon lady that was writing like these wow. sexual fantasy novels about vampires and shit. Makes worked sense. out, man. She's probably a bajillionaire. She's a bajillionaire. She's, a she's bajillionaire. probably like,
1: man. Mormonism saved my life or some shit like that. If or she's still she's... Mormon,
0: she's paying the church hella money on that, so they're happy
1: about it. Or, or I was gonna say, or she's not Mormon and now she's just like, now I get to live, live my rich. fantasies. Yeah. She, I don't know. I, I that 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 whole thing was like a that
0: Twilight thing is a crazy phenomena, but I don't think Twilight is going to age into like a
1: it'll cultural classic into, like
0: Lord of Rings did.
1: It'll, it, no, it will definitely age into something cheesy for it'll sure. It will be
0: like a cheesy thing we remember. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to bring up, speaking of cheese, I know we both have a soft spot in our heart for just the most emo things of all emo. <laughs> There's yeah. a emo kid, I don't know his name, I think he played in some like old school emo bands, but he does just like a, uh, a solo metal pro- instrumental metal project. He just plays guitar. Like a million guitar parts, he's fucking good guitar, and he like programs real drums and bass. And it's called "I Built the Sky," which is a total e- emo name. It
1: Sounds emo for sure. It sounds
0: emo as shit because well, there's something about the sky. Why do so many emo bands have like sky and moon and stars and uh, anyway? I built the sky, and he it's just instrumental. Like take emo, get rid of all the the singing, and just do like the cool riffs and metal. And like, it's like a little bit of chug and metal, like a little bit of prog, but then also emo rock. And it's instrumental. That's like a really big guilty pleasure. I think you'd like it.
1: There's there's someone else that does something similar to that. And I can't remember the name of him, but he has a song. And it was my favorite song, and it was called Mako Reactor.
0: <laughs> and it was like
1: similar shit, like super like progressive stuff. And it was just him and... It was really tight. I can't remember the name, but I just remember the name of the song, Make a Reactor. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But what? Go ahead. Um, but, yeah, I remember, like, finding, like, all sorts of, like, projects like that. Just, like, little, like, hey, here's me and my guitar. And, oh, now you can program drums on a computer and do the bass. Easy. Buy, yeah, you buy get, a little interface. You get a bunch
0: of dudes that, uh, yeah, they can put their music out because they don't the barrier to entry is lower because you don't have to find four dudes you get along with right. in practice. You can just say, "I can get, I got these cool ideas in my head. I'm fucking good at the guitar, and I want to get these riffs out, and I can make it happen."
1: Boom! And that was like what Misha Mansour did from yeah. uh, Periphery. He was just like making demos, and then it turned into a band. And sounds like after a while, the singer got sick of them, or they got sick of the singer. I don't know. Something Actually, like that. But that's, yeah, yeah, they were just like, "All right." We need a new whoever. And then, yeah, because I think it's basically Misha's project. Like, he, like, writes everything. And I think the drummer might write his parts, but, like, everything else is pretty much like, okay, this is what I wrote. Do it. You know, I, I played the band that went,
0: that did the best as far as, like, selling tickets, playing big shows. Was this, like, cheesy kind of, do you remember a band called Enter Shikari?
1: Yeah, of So course. I was
0: in this, like, band that was – we were trying to be Enter Shikari 2.0. And it was – the lead singer wrote everything. So I had played in a bunch of bands. I was pretty decent at drums, and a bunch of bands failed. And I was always, like, trying to make – prog. I was into prog music and trying to make complicated musician music. And then this dude hit me up, and he's like, hey, I want you to play drums for me. But actually, you don't have to do – like, there's not going to be any practicing. I'm just going to send you a file. I've already written everything. How weird. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's just good experience for me. And I didn't love the music. It wasn't really – I, I kind of was getting to that email stuff. Actually, playing this band sort of opened me up to that style of music. But we got – I had been in like a, one band prior to that for like five years. And we worked our way up to like one album's worth of material. And we played a handful of shows. Then the band broke up, right? Like five years for like – from the time that he called me and sent me a demo till we played our first show, it was like three weeks. Wow! It's because he. That was quick. This is like early Fruity Loop days, and he could just write everything. Yeah, and then we just send it to us. We'd learn it. We'd show up. We'd all have our our parts memorized individually. We'd play together as a band a handful of times, make some tweaks, and then boom, we we're ready to play show. And it was like so weird for me to go from, oh, so it doesn't take five years. To get to a point where you can i don 't know if it was really five years, but it just blew my mind that and that was early back in the day, and the demos he made sounded like garbage the drums didn 't sound real, but it was <laughs> enough for you to know what you needed to play what, right. what he had and it was enough for him to get his idea out and now I think technology and plugins, especially drumming like there 's a bunch of really good drumming programs that i 've been playing with sometimes they're like ah. I can actually program drums that sound better than me recording them, because all the samples are perfect, and I can make it all perfect, and they can end up sounding real, and sometimes I can do that faster than recording myself and cleaning up the recording, versus yeah. just programming it with a good drum tool. And that, they sound relatively it good. It sounds relatively, and because I'm a drummer, I know I know how to like make little tweaks to make it sound like a person's actually playing it, yeah. and I can do it really fast, and I think that's awesome, that... Like some dude, like I built the sky. The guy you can't remember. Like ah, I don't need. A dr-. There's just it's good because there's more creativity out there. But then it's also harder to be seen. It's harder to be found. I don't know how I found that. It was a YouTube video, I think. And he was like a total cliche. He had a like the emo thing. A swoop. Still going on, and he was on the top of like a cliff with a 360 drone camera, just playing guitar, air guitar. I... It, was, it was it was so cheesy. It was awesome.
1: Damn. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of stuff I used to listen to. Like, <laughs> like I was sitting in the was like, that guy, Never Shout Never, and he was all, like, emo. And he he started, he ended up doing, like, folk music. But at first, like, he's got, like, a laptop, and he was making, like, beats and, like, singing on them. And it's just, like, crazy, like, seeing from, it was, like, 2007 to, like, now. To now, much, yeah. Where, like, people were just like, yeah, we don't need bands anymore. Like, no. I can just do it myself. And... Now it's, like, seem it's, it's crazy that, like, a band will get paid, like, what, like, f- five grand, maybe? And now one person gets paid five, the same five grand. Five grand, if not more. If not more. And, and they, just don't have, like, they
0: don't have, they don't got to lug any shit around. They don't got to, right. like,
1: yeah. They just show up with, like, a couple of pads, if anything, or, like, a USB most of the time. Yeah. And, like, that's it. Well,
0: your world, the producer playing out world is even, you show up with
1: a backpack. Well, I don't even show up with the backpack. If they have CDJs there, I guess you just show up and plug your USB drive in. Yeah, I literally bring a USB and headphones, and that's it. And it's just like, and, and then take your money. And you take your yeah, money, baby, and you're yeah. just like, all right. And then you fly <laughs> it back, and it's just like so simple. That is, a, I re. I,
0: it's a little bit different now because most you pretty much have to produce now, and in, in order to also play gigs and DJ. I don't know a ton of guys that are just strictly DJs. But think about like 2000, I don't know, I would say like eight, maybe 2006 to 2014 or 2015. Mm -hmm. You could just be a DJ and make a shit ton of money. You didn't even have to produce tracks. You just played tracks. You just got good at mixing, which is not – I'm not saying like that's – that's a skill in and of itself but there's just so much the barrier to entry like you don't have to make the tracks you don't have to be a band you don't have to play an instrument you don't have to haul anything you don't have to have a crew you show up with your backpack and your headphones and your usb drive and if you're some of the big guys they were making ridiculous amount of monies just yeah. re- freedom units as i call it and it, it yeah, it's, I guess it's died down now. But there was probably a, a good while where I wonder how much money, like your average, like mid tier, DJ was making in like two thousand eight, two thousand seven. S-
1: still probably probably like, doing pretty good. Like a mid tier, maybe like two three.
0: Jeez, a show. Yeah, like per yeah. show. Because I know festivals, like, you know, someone like Calvin Harris or those... Obviously, those guys put out tracks, but I don't think they're really producing tracks. I think they're just, they just have a team and people they pay behind them. Right, And, and so they they're get, probably, they, like... They get flown into the club. They play their set. They get their 100,000 Gs or whatever, and then they fly out of the club and... And they fly to the next one, pretty much. Yeah. I had, a uh, Tim Spencer was, a uh, He was on last episode. His episode hasn't come up yet. He went on tour with Rihanna as, uh... He handled like a photo booth for her tour, like something to do with the fans. So he okay. went on tour with Rihanna all over Europe, and her opening act was Calvin
1: Harris. Oh, I, I remember that tour. And uh, yeah. yeah,
0: he uh, he basically said he would fly in, play the same set for Rihanna. It was like generally the same set every night, was, like, a couple, maybe a couple songs different. And then he would open for Rihanna, make his money, and then you would get on a, a helicopter and fly to a different club and play a different set that night. And then usually play like a third, maybe late night set.
1: Oh, so three sets in the two to three sets
0: a night, and he went. He was on tour for like most of the tour. Then he goes home and chills. But during that like whatever six week, eight week span, probably made millions of dollars.
1: Yeah, especially three times. Like yeah, and he's
0: opening for Rihanna. Like I mean, Calvin Harris is he's obviously huge. Like one of the biggest DJs ever. He's
1: he is the uh, the highest. Paid. He's the highest paid one. He's the highest paid or like the most wealthy one, whatever. But I think I remember him seeing and like he's number one. Like I he... wonder
0: how Calvin Harris became Calvin Harris. Like what it, what it was like before, because the the barrier to entry to producing music was hard. You needed like really good gear, the lap like the DAWs and the lap. But then eventually got to this point. Like if you can afford a laptop and a mouse, and there's obviously more shit. But I remember when you first started, like. Even to this day, when I've seen you work recently, you just have a mouse.
1: Yeah, it's just a mouse That's all you now. need. A and, mouse and a keyboard. And, I mean, like, back in the day, it was just, like, you needed, like, guitars and, like, yeah. you had to plug it in to be able to even hear it. You need and the now gear the like, room. And yeah. The, yeah. And, like, the treatment and, like, if you want to record it, you got to plug all this stuff in. And now it's just, like, oh, you download a program, you put your headphones on if you even have them and then you just like start making sounds, and it comes right out of your laptop and it's just like
0: yeah the barrier of entry is so low this this will actually be a good last question and i think i'll segue back into video games if the barrier of entry was if, like technology got so good that you could make a full video game by yourself with the same amount of effort that you make music
1: what kind of game would you make what kind of game? Probably like a puzzle game. Puzzle game? Yeah, like like a puzzle game, but it's like in this very obscure world. And yeah, just because like all the games now, like there's just – it feels like it's just like – like like for shooter games, for example, it's just like oh you go and you shoot and that's that. Like you do another round, yeah. Like, like Call of Duty and all that shit, or like Fortnite and PUBG and all that. I mean, like there's like like the really cool puzzle games like The Witcher and Dark Souls and all that. That like I've seen so many people, people just praise because they're so well done. Yeah. And so like I think doing something in that realm, um, I don't know what setting I would do. Maybe something, like, more futuristic.
0: So you do sci-fi?
1: Yeah, probably, like, Blade Runner meets, like, Cyberpunk meets, like, I don't know, like, Star Trek or something like that, or Star Wars, whatever. Like, just, like, some, like, futuristic thing, but maybe having this, like, maybe almost, like, Westworld to where it's, like, mm. this, like, mix of, like, old and new. Like, I think that could be cool, too. That would be
0: cool. So, yeah, like, you take some sort of Ancient setting, like Feudal Japan or Dark Ages, but it's actually, yeah, yeah somehow sci-fi, like all, everyone's robots.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, even, like, in the first Blade Runner, like, I remember it was just, like, it was in the, like, the 80s, is that when it came out? The first Blade Runner? I want to say, yeah, eight, mid-80s? Yeah. 88, maybe? And, and so, just, like, seeing how that was, like, it. I mean, obviously, like, the effects weren't as good, but it was, like, this more older look. But they were trying to make it look really new and advanced. And so just like this like – I guess like mix of old and new. Yeah. Like digital and natural, like coming together, like some fusion of that um, and just like making it like dystopian or like apocalyptic or something like that. Like a – what's that? Apocalyptic game. Um, Not – Oh, what is it? The apocalyptic game. Yeah. Uh,
0: is it a sci-fi apocalyptic?
1: Yeah, like, you have a, a gun, and it has, like, the, the cartoon guy on the front of the case. Fallout? Oh, Fallout? Fallout? Fallout, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 Fallout. Yeah. Yeah, huge series. Yeah. So,
1: so like, something like that, where it's, like, apocalyptic, but it's, like, the end of the... Era, the end of the age or whatever. Worst. The end of the
0: era. So that would be your world. What type of game would it, would it be? Fallout, like first-person shooter, side-scroller? Maybe like third-person. Third-person?
1: I personally like third-person.
0: I'm a big, yeah.
1: Like, I do like first-person, but I like third-person because it's easier to see, like, in combat. And I, I like seeing your character. If I, like, exactly. It's rewarding
0: to see, like, your guy or your girl. Yeah. Well,
1: right. Like, why would you spend all this time creating a character if you can't even see them? If you
0: can't see them, yeah. Because,
1: like, especially nowadays, it feels like every game I play, like, you have to, like, spend all... Well, you don't have to, but, like, you have this option to spend all this time making this character. And if you can't see it, it's like, okay, hey, what what's the point, the point of that? Yeah.
0: That's the one thing I'm... The only thing I'll say negative about Cyberpunk... It, when it, I think it was two years ago when they revealed it was going to be first person. I was really bummed.
1: Oh, it's not going to be third?
0: It's not third person like The Witcher. It's first person. They've released uh. – you should check it out. Uh, they've released two uh, this year at E3 and the previous year at E3 they released some gameplay footage. So there's, okay. about, there's about like an hour and a half of gameplay you can watch right now online. It's going to be awesome. And I trust CD project red but I I like I'm so stoked for that game and I'm agree with you I prefer third person so much more than first person that I was I was legitimately bummed out for a few days I had to like go through denial and acceptance yeah you like, like okay what? this game's gonna be first person yeah I generally don't like it my brother's the same way he's recently got into into gaming he's got some heart problems and so he doesn't have a, he's not working it's always time to kill so oh, wow. me and my other brother have been like he doesn't really play games like getting him in the games just to give him something to do. Yeah, and uh, he like he says he right out of the gate we gave him a bunch of games and he didn't like the first person ones but liked the third person ones.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just a better.
0: I think it's a better way to play.
1: Yeah, and and personally, I like the games where you can switch between the two. That's, that's the
0: best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah,
1: because in like sometimes like you need that first person look and sometimes you need the third. So dang, I wish Cyberpunk had both. I guarantee
0: because there was a big outcry amongst all the nerds online about it being first person. Someone in those PC games, and The Witcher specifically, has a very robust mod community where people do mods for the game. mm -hmm. Someone will create a mod that will let you play the game in third person. It will, oh, definitely, I'm sure. it will definitely happen. It may, well, the gameplay is good. It's, it's, it's going to be a community made mod, most likely. It'll probably be janky and have bugs, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like any mod yeah. is, like, janky and, like, yeah. not perfect, but still, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, someone will probably, like, make a mod to where it's, like, able to, or, like, maybe down the line they'll update it somehow to, like, add that view, yeah. which would be. They might Crazy. patch it in.
0: They did a good job with Witcher 3. Like, I got Witcher 3 when it launched, like very early, and it uh, was actually a pretty janky game. The menu system had problems, but they did a really good job of doing patches, supporting the game for, for like with regular patches, I want to say, for well over a year, because I gave up on The Witcher 3 the first time I played it, and then I came back to it and... Like, you know, when you leave a game and you come back to it, it's like, oh, this game needs to be updated before you can play it. Right. They had done a bunch of updates on the game since I had quit playing it. And it was almost not a brand new game, but like uh, 0.5, like a half of a new game Like like as far as the way it controlled. The menu system was completely overhauled and way more intuitive. So maybe with Cyberpunk, if if the demand is really there, they'll add it. But I don't know. Yeah, because
1: I mean... Their first successful
0: game was Witcher Three, right? The first mega successful game, yeah. Right. So Witcher Two did okay. Witcher One is like, they don't, I don't know, but Witcher Three made a lot of money. Which is they actually got in a little bit of a tiff with the author because he, he's like, I paid, I got my money paid up front when they when he licensed them to be able to make a game around his Witcher universe. He took the upfront money instead of getting the like residual income. Right. But he didn't but then when all of a sudden Witcher Three sold like eighty million copies or whatever ridiculous number it sold, he's like, Oh, I would have been a multi, multi, multi millionaire had I taken the the, the other the deal. Residual, and, yeah. But they but they only they needed to rework the deal in order to make a sequel because the the official deal I think was only for three games. So anyway, he's gonna get some of that money now for sure. Oh,
1: so he's doing a fourth are they they're gonna make a Witcher Four? I f- think they will because the headline that went around
0: the, the video game news world was that they they had negotiated a new deal. And why would C D Project Red negotiate a new deal if they didn't want to make a new game? Right. So yeah. that's the idea. Cyberpunk's is gonna come out this year, which means they've probably already started pre production on their next game, which people are assuming is going to be a new witcher. This the T V series is going to is already out and doing really well. And they're probably going to do a second and third season. And by the time the Witcher Netflix series is like two, three seasons, maybe four seasons deep, they'll be ready to launch the new game and, yeah. and really capitalize on Witcher's going to be even bigger with Netflix series being successful. Oh, the brand's yeah. going to be huge. Like Witcher Four, will- Witcher Four is going to sell like hotcakes. Yeah, but yeah. It's they're going to make they're going to make some cash. All right, my last question to wrap it up is: What is your favorite gaming memory? Not the necessarily game, but the most magical,
1: nostalgic, like, time you've ever had playing games. I mean, for me, the best thing was waking up on Saturday morning and uh-huh. just, like, being like, all right, I'm waking up early. I'm going to play games all fucking day. And just, like, waking <laughs> I have nothing up. nothing else to do. Yeah, like, being like, what was I, like, 10, 11 years old. And, just and like, I went to, like, Hollywood Video or Blockbuster or whatever and be like, okay, hey, I have this game for... Three days days or something like that. So I'm just gonna fucking beat it and then just take it back. And so I'll just wake up and like have my cereal, like some super sugary cereal, (laughs) and not eat for the rest of the day and And just just game, game, yeah, all day until like dinner time, and then like be like, "Okay, I'm gonna stay up until six in the morning and just keep going." Because I have
0: no responsibilities. Because I, yeah,
1: I have nothing to do. Like school, that was it. And now I'm just like, man. Part of me wishes to go back to that, but I'm also like, eh. Being an adult's not the
0: worst. It's not the worst. I do, I do, uh, I do feel for those, like, worry responsibility free times when you could just get completely involved into a game. My second EP, I put out two songs, kind of trying to like, around that same idea. I put out a song called JRPG Sundays, which is the same idea. Being young, it's yeah. Sunday like. There's no school, and because I grew up Mormon, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to like hang out with friends and do anything on Sundays. But they would let me play games. Yeah, my parents. So it's like literally, it was a perfect excuse to like, well, I'm just
1: gonna play games all day. Yeah, because it's the only thing I can do, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I remember going to church. I wasn't Mormon, but I remember like going to, to church and then coming home and be like, "Okay, hey, we're gonna make lunch," and I'd be like. Peace out. See ya. (laughs) I'm playing games. Yeah,
0: and then uh, going to – there is a magic. I think I was talking to Tim. There is definitely a magic that I miss by not having a Hollywood or a blockbuster. There's something about, like, going to the store, looking through all the titles, walking around, and, like, maybe you're with someone and you're like, well, maybe this one, maybe this one. Yeah. And then, like, like, picking it out, like – and then being all excited to go home. Uh, There's – I love the convenience of modern technology, but there is something – to that I, I put a song called out biking to blockbuster because same thing like the the game was fun but almost just as much fun was like the, the freedom experience the, of the like, experience. like i can ride all the way to blockbuster myself pick the game out i want ride all the way home and like yeah and like was physically holding it physically whereas now you can just it. download it to like your yeah, console yeah. but yeah that's a that's a good memory i like that you didn't pick a game specifically but just yeah, the concept of those glory days. And those are the days, like I mentioned before, that I think where your taste is really formed for a lot of your rest of your life. Yeah. Movies, music, games. Because you're in that stage where you're old enough to like really grasp the concepts and like, get into the worlds. But you're young enough that you have nothing to worry about yeah (laughs) like you think you have something to worry about (laughs) because some kid called you penis breath at school or you know or you have homework or you have homework or the girl likes your friend and, and whatever makes you feel out email but really you don't have anything and you don't and you just yeah you can game all day Saturday, Sunday
1: Oh man! And, good then the, times. and then the worst thing was being grounded for a month from video games, and you're like, "No! I have, what do I do with my time now? It's just yeah. all gone. I uh, she... my
0: parents could never make the video game grounding stick, probably because I would just be so unruly and annoying. <laughs> if I had, like, just let them play the goddamn game. Like, <laughs> stop asking me to entertain you. Just go play the game. But I remember having similar days like that, uh, specifically Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX. Where we wake up because the games are long. Yeah. And if you're renting them, you don't like you that's gotta all, put in a lot. Of that's time. forty, fifty hours to get through in like three to four days. Yeah. Which can be done at thirteen oh. when you have nothing else Hell, to do. Yeah. I'm surprised my parents like if I watched my kid just stare like if you didn't have any understanding of what games or TVs were, like maybe maybe you're from like seventeen fifty. And you go through a time machine and you go to a room and it's you at thirteen years old playing driver for twelve hours straight. <laughs> right? You don't know what a game is, you don't know what a TV is. You would think that, like, oh, this human's possessed, and the TV's like some sort of demon. Yeah. Or something, right? It's like
1: taking their soul and just sucking you
0: away. And I'm I'm surprised like my parents let me just play that many games.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it's funny now because like when I see my brother, like I see him play games and I'm just like, Hey, like do something else with your life. Yeah. But I was the same way. So I'm like like being a hypocrite. Yeah, I think at that age you can kinda
0: let it slide. The the hope is that it doesn't sort of ruin the kid to like focus and work later. I mean that might be a possibility. I don't know enough about the psychology. It didn't ruin me. Uh, I don't think I don't I never felt like I had a hard time buckling down and focusing when I actually needed to. Like Yeah. Oh, like man. i would
1: definitely procrastinate definitely that and then like it would i remember like in high school it being like 10 o'clock at night and i'd be like fuck that paper's due tomorrow so i'd just like bust it out and, and then then, you'd like, be amazed at like how smart you and how quickly yeah. you can actually <laughs> yeah. bust it out yeah it's like man i'm actually good at this shit yeah. <laughs> you go and you just bust it out and you're just like all right i did it yeah but yeah yeah. Good times. Sweet
0: man, well, where can people? Do you so Gazia? Do you still do music and stuff outside of X and G under Gazia?
1: No, I mean like I make stuff all the time, but I don't put anything out. But yeah, yeah, mainly just X and G stuff. So where do they find you? X and Uh yeah, you can find me at Gazia uh, on Instagram and Twitter, G A S Z I A, and then uh, the main thing is X and G, and that's X and G music. Um, so X-A-N-D-G Music on Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah. we got upcoming shows. Anything coming down the pipeline? Releases? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to Denver on Thursday. Nice. T- playing this new venue called Temple. And it uh, should be a good time. Pretty stoked. And then um, playing Vegas at the end of the month at this place called Commonwealth. It's on Fremont Street, actually, right next to Beauty Bar. So okay. I'm curious. And that's
0: uh, that's who? Uh, what's his Facebook? You for that one?
1: He, uh, Mauricio. Mauricio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So he booked, uh, and like I guess he like is good friends with our manager, and so they all set that up. And that's pretty much it. I, I don't think we have anything else. Set up. We have some music coming out, but it hasn't been announced yet, so I gotta okay. wait. Okay. But music is coming out
0: unofficially. There's some music coming very soon. Yeah, sweet. So, all right, check yeah. it out. X G online. Gagia. Peace. Peace out. Thanks. Thanks again. All right, that is a wrap. And if you're listening to this, it means you listen to the entirety of the episode. And I'll tell you what. I had a very large amount of vodka to drink while editing this podcast. So, I know that like 10 people listen to the podcast and one of you, and I have a good idea of who you are, or the two of you are, that actually listen to the end of the podcast. So, shout out to you, badasses. Much love from my drunk heart to your, hopefully, also drunk heart. Thanks for listening. Anyone else, if you happen to make this and surprise me by listening to the entirety of the podcast and made it to the outro... I call upon the holy trifecta of gaming gods to rain down blessings upon thee and thy posterity for all generations to come. Flesh and the bone and the sinews and power in your priesthoods. May your posterity dominate your enemies with ease and no mercy. Uh, next week on the podcast, I don't know who we have yet, (gasps) but I'm not going to skip any weeks. So we'll get somebody if at the very absolute worst, I might do like a monologue on some games that I like. Uh, because I'll tell you what the hardest part about doing a podcast is not the actual podcast it's not the editing it's not the uploading it's not the optimizations it's not even talking to people which talking to people can be kind of hard I've learned over time there is definitely an art to uh, carrying on a conversation and keeping the vibe that is a little bit hard but the hardest part Part about this whole shit is scheduling people. Everybody say yes, but no one want to pin down a motherfucking time. I'll tell you what. I love all of our guests. All of them been awesome. Obviously, the ones who I haven't been able to nail down have been the most flaky, haven't been recorded yet. But dude, I don't know if it's just me and I was raised in a super traditional family. Like My dad always told me, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. Um, That also comes with commitments and times. Getting you assholes to commit to a time to fucking do a podcast is like trying to get my damn toddler to eat broccoli. Like, it is easier to get my three-year-old to not shit her pants than to get you motherfuckers to show up on time when you said you were going to show up. Weak. 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 But you know what? Everyone who's actually been recorded thus far doesn't have that problem. That's why they've been recorded, and that's why I've released an episode. It's all you assholes who have said yes, that flake on me, who are probably not listening to this. But God damn it, guys. I love you all. I want you to be on the podcast. But I'm a grown-ass man with a job, a business, kids, and other hobbies. Don't fucking flake on me. Come on, guys. You're making this shit harder than it needs to be. Anyway, next week on the podcast, uh, it's either going to be me rambling about some games that I loved, maybe like a little mini documentary, or it's going to be someone dope. Either way, tune in. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, pets, like I said at the beginning of the intro, people you don't even like at work, tell them them all about the Gaming Memories podcasts, Podcast, podcast, you know what I mean. The Game of Memories podcast. We got multiple episodes, so I can say podcast. That's plural. Tell them about it. You'll be blessed. I love you. See you next week. Bye-bye.